Might be hard to find some, but don't you shed a tear. Check out the Purple Rock Podcast and this is what you'll hear. John will make some dumb jokes, and he likes to yell and curse. And if they're not available, the backup hosts are so much worse. We'll spend the whole time being jerks and telling you you're wrong. And so we got this other jerk to sing you our theme song. It's the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. Welcome to the Purple Rock Survivor Podcast. I am John. My co-host is Andy. For this, a preview podcast for a Survivor season. Andy, did you even remember that we used to do such things? I have vague memories. Um, I don't remember why we did it, because... We did not take that process seriously at all. I think the last couple ones we did without, like, looking at much at all, like, not reading any of the copious amounts of pregame stuff. Um, but I felt like this season uh, was worth doing, especially because it required no homework. And that was the key. Because I feel like in the beginning when we did these, we were all in. We were reading interviews. We were mm-hmm. pregame videos, all these sorts of things. Slowly that tailed off because so much effort to do such things. This one, the effort has already been put in because we've watched the seasons of these players. That That's enough effort that we can judge and predict how these players will do. The perfect level of effort for us. Yeah, and even beyond effort, like, I never enjoyed those other things. I didn't really enjoy meeting uh, new contestants via their ability to fill out surveys in a highly edited little presentation. But this isn't about that. Well, none of the pregame press has been released yet. Uh, I think, you know, some other podcasters might be doing some things, but we're not listening. What this is about is our opinions, and that's what I care about. I mean, half of that equation anyway. I was going to say, our yeah, I mean, as soon as I did that comparison, it's like, well, not, not, not quite that. But yeah, it's like, that's what this is about. Me talking about things I like. That I'm in favor of. Learning about people and all that. Meh, 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 meh. Me sharing my thoughts that must get out there to the world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And one key point you just hit on right there. Things that you like. Because Andy, I don't know if you've noticed, but this season, all winners. I'm so psyched. This is all I've ever wanted from Survivor, and frankly, because they were able to get the cast that they were able to get, and we're going to talk about each and every one of them, I'm glad that we waited. I'm glad that we, you know, because the one worry about waiting is eventually some of these people were going to go away from the pool, but now we got most of them, we'll talk about it, so yeah, I'm psyched. I'm ready to see people that uh, have proven themselves able at this game. I'm ready to see people who have proven themselves able at being television. And um, I want to see them be awesome. So I'm psyched. Yeah. And it's a weird position to be in for me because there's been so many recent letdowns, including a season that had players from this cast. So mm-hmm. it's a little hard to convince myself to totally give in and, and convince myself, yeah, it's going to be great. And I can just go hardcore and and be into this season, especially because last season was such a gut punch. But look at this cast. Like, it's a real thing. It's a real actual thing. We talked about all winners. I feel like from the very genesis of this podcast, like ever since then, we've at least referenced the possibility of such a thing. And this is a real actual thing that's happening. It's not fan fiction. It's real. This cast happened and is playing and we get to watch it and we are lucky 
that we get to do so. Yeah, and, like, the thing why I've wanted all winners is because, like, the winners aren't always the best player of their season. The winners aren't always the most, you know, interesting survivor players of all time. I think we got a healthy bunch of that, but, you know, it's not a 100% success nope. rate, certainly, of this cast that we have here. But, um, you know, what we see generally uh when, you know, they have returning seasons that mix winners in is... Being a winner is, you know, a huge target. Makes sense. You know, you'd have to be stupid for it not to be. Although, you know, the point we remember is that there were two winners who went to a finals one. So it's not always an automatic death sentence, but it seems to be something that sets you apart. So why I want an all-winner season is what if we took, we leveled that field? You know, we take that out. Nobody can be targeted here because they've won Survivor, because everybody's won Survivor. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to go in with equal footing. For instance, one person here has won more than any of these other winners, so there's that. Um, there's also, you know, levels of, you know, acclaim within the game. So I'm not, you know, saying that all that, but I, you know, it's nice that there'll be a season where... Yeah, you know, we have to target X because they've won the season. That that's out. That's out. That's not a thing. That's not a thing that any one of them can push because they're all that. Um, and so yeah, looking at the cast and having that happen is making me exciting. Excited. Um, uh, another thing that's made me excited though is um, Jeopardy. <laughs> wow, we're gonna talk about a tournament of champions in a whole other field, huh? Yeah, real quick. So right now, uh, at the time we're recording, there's been three nights of the greatest of all time tournament of Jeopardy. And just watching that, it's just really crystallizing both why I've wanted this for Survivor and also like why I'm excited, why I'm already past, you know, the doom and gloom of last season or the debacle of the season before that is like, it's great to watch people be awesome at a thing that they're good at. Like, that's just fun in general. Like, yeah, there was even, like, trolley articles on the internet. Like, is it really that fun to watch these guys, like, you know, get everything right and all that? And it's, yes! Yes! yes it is awesome it's, to see people be awesome. It's kind of the point. If I wanted to watch Idiot's Myths questions all the time, like, I would just watch a video of myself playing Jeopardy. It's like, oh, who wants to watch just, you know, Michael Jordan and LeBron James and Kobe Bryant take turns, you know, shooting? It's like the most popular, one of the most popular basketball commercials of all time was Michael Jordan and Larry Bird pretending to play horse. You know, it's a McDonald's commercial. Yeah, I, I would actually love to see that. Like, what kind of dumb statement is that? And that's what we're getting here, and that's what I hope for this season. Um, Yeah, I, we don't know if the winner will be awesome. If they're not, I think I'm done with the show. Um, <laughs> oh, I do have one fear, and your, your Jeopardy thing kind of hits on it. Someone's going to brad here, and it's going to be sad. Not to spoil the, the the current results of Jeopardy so far, but one of the three champions is lagging. And that might happen to one of our greats here. We might see some deterioration of their game, and that would be disappointing. Yeah, but there's enough to go around that hopefully it wouldn't. And you know, to be on that point, losing isn't that. No. Because you can lose Survivor not because you're bad, but because you're great, especially early on, right? Yep. Uh, it's more like, you know... There, there, there is a way to play Survivor that lowers our, our estimation of you. Frankly, there's somebody um, not on this cast that you know we would have thought would have been a lock at certain points, and every time he's come back to Survivor, he's just lowered <laughs> the opinion of him. So you know, somebody here could certainly play a pull a JT or something like that. But like, I just like seeing people be awesome. Like that's one of the like the few positive things of the cesspool of the internet is that it's provided like little avenues to just watch somebody do something really cool for a little bit. You know, you know, TikTok is good for that. And like YouTube, you just see videos of like 
things he never even cared about, but like, hey, look at this amazing trick shot that somebody spent way too much time on, or look at how somebody can do this thing. And it's like, I just like watching people be great at things. And I feel like, just percentage-wise, this season gives us a good chance. These people have proven good at this thing. Uh, yeah, many of them great at this thing. All of them successful at this thing. I, I like to see what they can do with it. So, I mean, we're going to get into individual players within the cast, but there's a pretty high percentage chance that, that someone that we consider a great and entertaining winner could pull this out. Could, could. It can happen. win a second time or a third time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, again, like, you know, for everybody is, you know, the doom and gloom uh, coming off of Game Changers, right? I get it. Parvati was the runner up. Parvati, who had dominated one season, already, like, was starting to put in her Legend series. She was a runner up to another winner in Sandra. Like, it isn't always have to be this way. This way. John Cochran came in with one of the highest profiles of that fairly more bound group of returnees <laughs> yeah. that they had for that season, and he won. So it's not always going to be the Game Changers route. Jeremy was no slouch going into Cambodia. So it could certainly, you know, it, it could be, and there's a lot of people here. And even the people that, like, you know, some people might not be high on, we might not be high on, could make their bones here, you know? Like, it's a thing that happens. Like, Parvati was not a legend in her first go-round. So. And you know who also was not a legend in his first go-round? Boston Rob. Exactly. He was fine. Yeah, no, at first he was just kind of a goof that said a few funny things. Like, when he was an ulcer, I was like, really, him? And I'm like, well, I mean, I get it enough. You know, he had personality. I'm sure some people said no. But then, he, yeah, he went on. So, like, you know, I think there's a good chance that the... Yeah, we're going to see some good things. And not obviously only one person is going to win. But my other hope is, like, we get to see some more people be awesome at times. You know, like, uh, Game Changers, one of the highlights of that season was Sandra being awesome with the sugar incident and playing JT, right? At least we got that note from her, you know, before she bowed out. So it would be cool if we get some of those moments also from people before they bow out. And you've kind of hit on this, but... As, as many times over the years as we've had disagreements, one thing that we've generally agreed on is that we are totally open to changing our opinion on a player. If we thought you sucked before, we are more than willing to change that evaluation if suddenly you're good and interesting. Yeah, no, I have no problem doing that at all, in part because, like, I don't play favorites too hard. I mean, you know, everybody's gonna be like, oh, you're the biggest, you know, Boston Rob fan in the world. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't when I first met the guy. You know, that is an example of it. My favorite in all of this discussion is me and my opinions. So I like for them to, you know, have value. So thus, I'm not gonna be like, if, you know, Let's say Michelle goes out there and, like, you know, kills it. You know, becomes, like, a poverty or something second time around. A Kelly Wentworth the second time around. I'd look pretty dumb, and my opinions wouldn't be worth anything if I was still being like, yeah, but whatever. Right? Like, we both gave Sarah high praise for her game in Game Changers. Yep. Even though she's not somebody we ever cared about. And, frankly, not somebody we cared about even while she was doing nope. it. But, you know... We will change our opinion, and that's the thing. Like, I don't need necessarily one of my favorites to win. I don't think they will. Frankly, just the math suggests that can't happen. Um, it'll be super exciting if it happens. I just need to see, um, you know, people being great at something that they're great at. Well, one thing that could potentially work to the advantage of one of your favorites is that there is a safety net here. We've, we've learned that Edge of Extinction is back. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on that? How, how do you feel about having an edge of extinction on this season? So it really did not help the, the first, the edge of extinction season. You know, like it it, for the longest time, we were thinking like it was fine. Like there were some entertaining moments. Obviously, Reem was entertaining. But, you know, having somebody, uh, exit the story very early on and then, you know, fly in at the end to win was an incredibly unsatisfying way. That said, there's like a non-zero chance that it really drastically improved our experience of just last season, for instance. <laughs> Um, when, you know, we had been like, all these people, uh, have failed as humans. We don't want to see them anymore. Let's spend some time with the good people who, you know, almost uh, all got, you know, crushed in one episode. You know, like, like, like it's possible. So, I mean, it's, I think it's pretty clear that Edge of Extinction was invented for this season. Yes. And they gave it a trial run, uh, before in part, maybe, you know, cause they're also inventing other things and tweaking and all that, but, yeah, it was a safety net created for people who were like, why should I come back and be humiliated? In some of these cases, again, right? Like, in fact, like, one probes would always say, you know, there's no point in talking about all winners. We, you know, we don't have the people. He's come out and said, yeah, it's because I always assumed all these people who kept saying no were out. And this, it wouldn't be that great. Well, this is something that an enticement for them that, yes, you can get voted out and still be on the show, still, you know, contend to win. How that will play out if it actually happens that one of them comes back, um, we'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, even though we've seen how an edge of extinction can play out, I'm willing to give it a second chance. I really, really hope that they would stop it at the merge. I feel pretty confident they won't. No, they won't. Yeah. And just that tweak alone would probably make it totally fine, both from gameplay and viewing perspective. But yeah, it will kind of suck if, if our winner is mostly out of the game again. Yeah. Now the one advantage, at least from a, like a, a narrative standpoint is that, um, they won't be strangers to us. Like that was the other big problem is like, Oh wow. Who's the fuck this Chris guy? You know, like we know like one thing about him. Um, <laughs> Uh, so like, uh, so like, if you know, uh, a Parvati came back at the end, it's like at least we know Parvati, but it would weaken the concept of you know what we've been thinking about all these years of you know best of the best, and also like, yeah, there's no way they're ending this at the merge. I feel like if they were, that news would exist already. Yes, like they would tell us. Um, and and yeah, we've said it every time they've done that. Uh, like, I don't think I'd ever have a problem with it if it was just then like in many ways like it could be a way to combat some of the unfortunate voting uh patterns of early survivor um you know and i know that i wouldn't have a problem because if rick devins had won that season i wouldn't have had a problem with it so but you know it certainly could happen it certainly what i hope more than anything uh because we're stuck with this edge of extinction is that the players find more interesting ways to use it and that it can help inform the decision-making they have. Now, obviously, uh, for the first half of the season called Edge of Extinction, they couldn't, because they didn't know it existed. Um, for the second half, you never really seem to get too much uh, idea that they were considering the potential outcomes of the fact that, like, 
there's all these other people still in the game and one of them's going to come back until like right before the vote and when Rick is like, I will have another ally coming back with me. But there was never seemed to be this consideration of like, what do we do with this extra person? What it, should that inform the way we vote people out? Like, do we want to get them out early so they have to suffer there a long time? Or is there no point in voting, you know, strong person X out because they might just come back anyway? I, it'd be interesting to see if it at the very least, you know, informs some of the decisions of the season. And even better, if one of these super smart players can find a way to, you know, use it to their advantage. Well, there is a slight wrinkle, too. We're not just getting an edge of extinction. There's a whole currency system taking place, yeah. possibly only within that edge of extinction system. It wasn't entirely clear to it sounds me. Sounds like it's mixed. Yeah, it sounds like the fire tokens yeah, will will definitely be given uh, at edge of extinction. And if you get them at edge of extinction, you need to reward them to players in the game and maybe there might be a thing where the players in the game then have to do something to to win them but i think it, they will also be uh given to the players in the active game uh, from something i've read uh yeah like i it sounds like they did this in a different like competitive reality show game that i don't watch do you, do you know anything like was this in that you know a hipster korean survivor type <laughs> uh no, I mean, not quite this. The thing is, this is one of those topics that I just kind of tuned out on. I saw a mention of the fire tokens thing, and I just kind of like shrugged and moved on. This is one of those things where I don't see this having a huge impact on my enjoyment of nope. the season. Um, really, it's going to come down to how this cast delivers. So, yeah, you know, maybe this adds some marginal benefit or detracts in some marginal way, but I feel like my opinion of the season is not going to be shaped by fire tokens, you know? Yeah, I suspect the impact of the season will be minimal. I feel like the fire tokens are another inducement to get people to, you know, give this another shot. Yeah, so they have the, hey, you won't get, if you're first voted out, you could still be in the game. And you know what that looks like now because it's happening in the season, you know, we're watching right now. Uh, you know, we're talking the past when they were casting to, Hey, we'll find ways to give you more rewards. So your time out there isn't as arduous. And for that, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I don't need to see people suffer. That's not like my biggest cue for survivor. For me, survivor needs to be hard physically. Like I don't want to watch big brother, but I don't need it to be that hard, you know, uh, because I'm more interested in the people and the gamesmanship and all that. And then the third inducement, which I don't know if they knew about beforehand, I'm guessing they probably did, and we're going to see some acting when this is revealed on camera, is the higher payout prize. It's yes. a $2 million prize versus a $1 million prize. Yeah, and um, I have not heard anything to this end, but it would not surprise me if there were also some sort of floor on the payment that they were getting. <laughs> yeah, and again, I would have no issue for that. I'm nope. all in favor of people getting paid for their work. This season it be promoted and exists largely on the backs of the personalities within it. And if they never needed them, they certainly more than now. I don't know if that's true, right? So get your money, all of you. And I, you know, and like as from like fire tokens, I'm sure it's going to be that like some people will get blankets or something, or you know, it, it sounds like maybe advantages. Well, like. Advantages just grow on trees and survivors. So if you're getting coins for them, whatever. Well, careful with the ones that grow on trees, because I've heard that you're not supposed to just take the gift horse and expect that it's going to be a good thing. That's true. This was a key lesson that I learned at Island of the Idols. Would it be hilarious if Boston Robin Sanders like, oh, we can't touch that idol. I know how this works. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, like, wouldn't it be cool to see Tony do something with fire tokens? Like, if anybody's going to do something creative with something that I think is really just, uh, hey, we're going to throw you more food and this is our way we're going to explain it to the audience, uh, it would be him. So, yeah, like, there can be positives of, like, little things in the game that allow these players to do more. But there is always the concern that, like, Survivor might just be throwing too much, you know, randomness and chaos into the proceedings. And, like, the first time that, you know, one of our favorites gets taken out because somebody spent a bunch of fire tokens, we might have to fucking, like, burn the place down. Oh, sure. This is yet another thing where we're withholding judgment until it doesn't benefit us in some way. Yeah, which is, you know, to our credit, uh, and I, I love giving us credit. Um, we always withhold judgment on new things, uh, to a degree. Yeah, we might share what our initial instinct is, but we are not the types to be like, ah, oh, this is gonna suck. Uh, especially because we know most of these things are be like, eh. Well, speaking of passing judgment though, let's do some player assessments. Let's pass some judgments on previous seasons and predict what's gonna take place in this season for some players. And you know what? Because this is a special season, our dear friend Mike Hirsch, he came through for us. He made songs for each and every person, although I think you might know who's coming first. I can't believe we have to be grateful for redemption island, but here we are, here we are. Thank you, season 22, for the gift that is Boston yeah, I don't think there was any other place I could start a podcast uh, than talking about Boston Rob, because really then, like, I know that I have all the energy now, and if I get tired as this podcast rolls out, I don't need to talk about everybody. But, yes, I can't believe Boston Rob will be back on my television. It's been weeks. Oh, man, are you excited for Rob's first ever return? <laughs> What's that? How many times has he been on Survivor? <laughs> it sounds like they might have been counting five already. Um <laughs> So, yeah, um, as we mentioned, Rob's survivor career did not get off to the most overwhelming start, but ever since that second appearance, he's been pretty freaking good, even in seasons where he didn't win or even make the merch. Heroes versus Villains, he seemed to have quite a start to his game going, and it just got, got shaken up by a player that we'll talk about later. But overall, just in general... Most of his performances in this game have been pretty dominant after that first season. Yeah, and like, you know, there's no secret, unless this is the first time you've been listening to us, and actually that's probably the case for some people, you know, you're, this is a big season, and people are probably thirsty for content, so welcome, this is a show we do, uh, hopefully you'll stick around. They've tuned out, like, ten minutes ago. Nah, no, we've already been spitting hot fire. Uh, Boston Rob is, like, of my favorite, probably my very favorite Survivor player of all time, um, yeah, and it harkens back to the thing I said in the beginning, I like seeing people, uh, be great at things that they are great at, and... And he is uniquely talented at competitive reality shows. Um, and, yeah, and I extend that to, you know, watching him on The Amazing Race, where, you know, he and Amber were, uh, runners up after some shenanigans cost them from a, a runaway victory. Um, their second season, they didn't do as well, but they won like three straight legs before they were kicked out. Like, he's just good at this. The weird combination of skills, yeah, that have never really, uh, paid off in life until like, you know, the, the near the turn of the century. He is good at, you know, 
the little puzzle games and, you know, you know, back weird things that they do in reality shows. He's good at, you know, reading people and figuring out how to use them. And he's good at, like, talking in arrogant sound bites that, you know, edit really well for this. And that's great. That said, like, despite all the fact that, you know, uh, I've excited about him all the ways I've yeah, defended him over the years, this is, like, probably one of, like, two formats that I'd ever wanted to see him return to, like, actually play Survivor yes. again. And is that all winners, or if they did, like, all legends, like, best of the best, but didn't, you know, necessarily limit to winners. In those scenarios, you need to have Boston Rob, because if he's not there, then it doesn't feel like it's what you're advertising it to be. Even if you don't like Boston Rob, uh, you have to be the pettiest of people to suggest that, like, he isn't one of the most, you know, celebrated and iconic characters. Even if you want to be like, yeah, he's only celebrated because Prost loves him so much. If it was just a regular, you know, returnee season, like, yeah, I've seen everything Rob has to offer, but he is one of, like, four or five people that needed to be here for it to validate. So I'm glad glad to see him for that reason. Yeah, and, I mean, I don't want to get your hopes up for your boy here, but... Uh, no, they're not very high. See, I feel like they should be a little higher, because <laughs> if there ever were a cast where he stood a chance... I think it might be this. I mean, or, or something very close to this, because he's got a little bit of room to work with here. And if he can get past a few early votes, and more importantly, if some of the people that he's likely to align with can get past a few early votes, I think he'd be in a good position. Obviously, once you get closer to the end, probably everybody on this cast is going to be like, yeah, I'm not taking you to the end, including Amber, his wife. <laughs> so... It does get tough for him to make a final tribal council, although we do know if he gets close enough, he's pretty good at making fire. Yeah, yes, we've, we've seen evidence of that. Oh my god, that was a winner's edit, like, stealthily built yes. in, uh, you know, many months ago. That's what it means. <laughs> um, I don't think Amber would vote him out, just as he never voted her out in the season that she beat him. Uh, I would feel better about his position if they had just gone all out Boston Rob Tribe. Uh, because, like, you know, it, it's unfortunate that, like, Tyson and Sandra and Amber are all on the other one. Like, I, what I wanted was, like, let's just throw, like, Rob and his friends and his cronies and then, like, tuck in a few of the people we don't care about at the yep. end. And, like, let's just, like, like let them skate for a yeah. bit. I, I, I don't care about balance. Let the pre-merge episode be a hangout comedy where we just, yeah. you know, we've got some buddies hanging out, having some fun, getting rid of the people that we didn't want to see go far anyway. Yeah, now, I mean, it's not as though Tyson doesn't have a, a history of both turning on his friends uh, intentionally and unintentionally. So, yeah, maybe uh, not being with him isn't that big a deal. Uh, but, yeah, I do think there are avenues for people like Rob and you know, of that uh, caliber to stick around. Um, it's basically with each other, and I'm hoping that they will do so, and we'll get that uh, to that at the end. Uh, and then the biggest help is... Um, Edge of Extinction itself. Yes. Uh, it, it, but interestingly, and all you need to know about you know, Rob's status in this game, even if you're the bitterest of trolls, is if people are whining that that exists for him, that tells you that he is as big a deal as I'm you know, treating him as. Because, you know, there are other people here that would do well in such a scenario, but it would work. And, like, wouldn't that be perfect? If Boston Rob finally gets that win against the best of the best, everybody's out there has always been like, oh, it took him four tries to win. <laughs> Uh, and now, you know, me, on the other hand, like, no, he's always been great. He's a survivor. is a weird thing to win, and it happens, is that he wins 
due to being spending most of the season on edge of extinction. It would settle nothing. No debate <laughs> would be settled. Equilibrium would be maintained. Those who hate him would be a total punt. Yeah, everybody who you know d- denigrates all of his achievements has all the ammunition they need, and all of us fans have all the ammunition we need about him being a two-time champion. So you know, just from that respect alone, uh, maybe that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Um. Even in a season of winners, the the threat level there, he's right near the top, right? It is. The, just the nice thing for him, as opposed to maybe some other big threats, is he's also incredibly useful. Yes. So, like, voting him out, um, and maybe it's necessary, right? Maybe it's just, you know, that's what we have to do. But it hurts you, unless, of course, you were the person that was going to be voted out instead. But, like, he makes the tribes he's with, uh, you know, postmark cases. And, um, you know, the, the beaches he's on better to be on. So, and uh, something like that is also where I was thinking, like, it'd be interesting if they factor an edge of extinction. It's like, well, like, what's the point? Like, oh, we got to get rid of Rob. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be here till the, like, you know, the end of this competition, because if we vote him out, he's just going to hang out on edge of extinction and build, you know, if uh, last season is to be believed, the most elaborate, you know, thing ever, because that was totally him and not production at all. Uh, One man effort. So in that way, edge of extinction, like the existence of it could just keep him around in the same way I suspect Redemption Island helped a bit, and that it was like, well, what's the point? He's going to come back, and what's the point? Well, like, we had to vote for him out, him out like, three times, because we all know he has an idol. So it could be that, too. It's like, well, do we want Rob building, you know, an amazing shelter for everybody we send to Edge of Extinction, or do we want him to do it for us? Well, there is another player that we should probably discuss, who also will likely have a very high threat level. And that's someone that we haven't seen in a little while. Let's hear Mike's song for this person. You've heard of Parvati 2.0 Again and again and again But there's an original Don't you know Superior to all of those who try to pretend Parv, Parvati 1.0, as the song notes. So many imitations. It's nice to have the original back. I immediately worry, though. Mm-hmm. She's just going to have an enormous target on her back, and she's unlikely to have a lot of these people lining up beside with her. You talked about how at least Rob is very useful for you on your beach. I don't get the feeling that people are going to think Parvati is a useful person to have around. Because... You know, there is a legend of poverty, and people might have overstated some of her attributes, although I don't know that you could overstate her level of charm. But yeah, she's she's going to be quite the target, and I don't know that she can possibly get far. But I'm still excited that she's here, because similar to Boston Rob, if she wasn't, it wouldn't feel right. It's definitely not the grade A winner's list that we would want to see. Yeah, no, she's Mount Rushmore. Yeah, she's, again, one of the other people that, like, her absence would need to be explained because it would be felt. Um, Yeah, no, she is just dangerous, you know. Well, Rob can be very useful. He, uh, 
he can help you succeed. Uh, poverty will just, you know, in the longer you leave her in, the more dangerous she becomes. That said, that was true of the other two times she returned. And people were pointing that out day one of the other time she returned. And somehow she made it to the end both of those times. So, you know, if anyone uh, could find their way um, out of, you know, the hole that she is in as one of the, you know, the biggest threats in the game... I think it's her, uh, and it would be interesting, uh, to see, you know, how it's really done. You know, all these other, you know, faux poverties that have come along, and, and, yeah, we should state, it's not their fault that they were compared to poverty, unless, of course, that's also what they wrote in their, you know, bio. Uh, frankly, probably many times it was true, uh, <laughs> that they did write that. Um, yeah, it, they, they all get targeted for being poverties and get voted out. She'll get targeted for being poverty, and it'd be interesting to see if she uh, finds her way out. And one way that she would be useful is to the other people on her level. You know, she could be. Yeah, I could see her working with Rob in a not like a a, a mutually assured destruction yes. pact. It's like you know, if we go after one another, neither of us will succeed in the same ways that it was happening with Tony and Sandra. You know, back in Game Changers, so. That's why I would have liked that they would have thrown more legends at it. Like, we should have just loaded one of them up with some fodder and legends. Which, your reference to Game Changers, if there is one potential good thing to have come out of Game Changers, it might be that. It might be the recognition from some of these actual legends out here. Maybe you need to circle the wagons around each other, even if you're not necessarily the best possible allies just to keep yourself safe, it might be a good idea to keep some of the other best players ar- alive around. Just throwing that out there. You know, it's maybe it doesn't come to fruition, but it at least should occur to some of these people, especially people like Sandra and Tony who were on Game Changers. Yeah. No, it's like, oh, one of my greatest hopes for this season is that they don't just be like, we gotta get big targets. We gotta get very big targets. It's like, you guys are, you need to recognize the threat presented by non-big targets, and especially if you allow them to cluster. Um, so that's what I hope. And more than that, like, yeah, it's just going to be great to see Poverty again, because it is. she has not been on Survivor for a minute. Like, it was a long time ago when she was Season last on there. 20. It has been 10 years. Yeah, Rob has been on twice since then. And moreover, not only has she not been on for, you know, 19 seasons... It was just like a cluster. Like, her time on Survivor was like a period of, what, two or three years? It all kind of happened right around the same time, which, it as it turns out, is actually not unusual. That is actually the kind of the pattern. Like, people kind of get this Survivor time in their life, and then they move on with their lives. Like, a Boston Rob showing up every ten seasons is actually unique. It's more, you know, like, like with Poverty, like with Kelly Wentworth, like with Aubrey and... Um, I'm sure there are also dudes that this applies to. Uh, Malcolm, uh, yeah, he, his last one was a little stretched out, but his first two were back to back. Uh, yeah, like all of the legend of poverty happened like forever ago. Let's, I, uh, it'd be great to see her again. And hopefully, you know, even if she, yeah, they do the right thing and target her right away and vote her out. Uh, hopefully we can see her work her magic, even if in a, a failing battle in that one. Episode. And it will be interesting to see how and if. Her game has evolved in that time. Certain skills she may have declined in, she may have improved in. Who fucking knows? It's been so long since we've seen her. She did, for a brief time, do some Survivor Media stuff. Mm -hmm. So she's been at least tangentially involved in Survivor for some of that period. Um, But it'll be interesting just to see how she vibes with this cast. Like, 
is is she the Parvi that we expected? Is is this Michael Jordan coming back to the Wizards, or is this Michael Jordan coming back to the Bulls? You know, yeah, it'll be exciting to see how this plays out. I'm I'm hoping it's a Bulls scenario. I'm bracing myself for Wizards. Uh, speaking of exciting, yeah, uh, let's move on to our next person. La 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 la, Michelle. We're pretty sure you exist. La 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 la, Michelle. You're there. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, long-time listeners will know this uh, website's deep and abiding affection for Michelle. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. Uh, yeah, obviously we are not huge Michelle fans. She represents uh, many things I dislike about Modern Survivor, which is that uh, the best way to win is to not be good enough at anything to not lose. Um, however, her presence on this season does not bother me a bit. For one... Only three women have won in the past seven years, so I'm not going to be out here saying, oh, let's not bring back one of them. Like, it has been a long time. If you take her out of the pool, there's like maybe one woman under 30 at that point. But for two, I didn't want to hear all the belly aching of the modern-day Michelle fans, many of whom were silent during her original season, of like how the show is oppressing our great dear lord robbed goddess, but not robbed because she won Michelle, and how, you know, probes... Hate, hates her so much. Like, just her being here, uh, quiet sat down at least for a minute. Yeah, and I'm, I'm fine with her being here, partly because look at the list of women. <laughs> I mean, she almost had to be. And this is one of those cases. I hate to admit this because of our stance on her previous season, but like I said, we're open to changing our stance on a player. And Michelle is one of those where she won. She saw the feedback that she got, including from, uh, repressive father. What is it? What, who's he? Repressive father Jeff Probst? Regressive. Our regressive father Jeff Probst. Silly me. You know, obviously she became a fan favorite strictly because Probst didn't like her, but she's seen that. She's seen the fan reaction to her. I've seen her at various survivor events. Actually, I did see her once in person. At a survivor event and did not talk to her because I had no interest. Her loss. Uh, yeah, indeed. <laughs> um, I do get the impression that there is more to her, at least now, than there was in her previous season. I, it could just be maturity absorbing all this survivor commentary around her. Who knows what it is? I just think there is at least some potential for improvement here. And I hate to make the Kelly comp that you made earlier, but it could go that path. You know, like Kelly, her first season was fine. She existed. Yeah. Similar to Michelle, barely on it. Um, but in her return in Cambodia, it became evident why Kelly was brought back to Cambodia, like why she was a player that Survivor was interested in, it's possible that Michelle has that same sort of growth. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm just leaving the window open. Yeah, I mean, the main reason why Michelle was brought back is because she won a season. I mean, that's... (laughs) I don't even like it. It's just she had greater more. It's like, oh, there's not a lot more to choose from because women stopped winning Survivor. Uh, So I was like, yeah, had there been like two or three more, you know, female winners in the past, you know, seven years, you know, maybe they could have done better, but they didn't, so she's here. Yeah, I want uh, one of two things out of Michelle. 
First and foremost, uh, I would like her to be voted out of her tribe because they feel like she is useless to it. That would be my greatest wish. Uh, not because they feel like she's a threat or anything like that. Although it would be hilarious if they like, uh, it's like, oh, I don't know. We can't keep her around. She's kind of like a poverty. And it would be even better if poverty was the one saying it. <laughs> oh, I know him when I see him. And yeah, she, that girl's dangerous. Not me. I mean, I'm a mom with a kid, but her, ooh. Um, or two, yeah. She goes out there and does it, man. And by does it, I mean, like, does things. I don't care if she, you know, hangs around because nobody feels it worth voting her out. And in the end, she is better liked than the other people she's up against and wins. I will stop watching Survivor if that's what happens. Um, because it, it will just prove that this is a show that, like, it no longer, uh, provides what I am interested in as a viewer. Not just a viewer of Survivor, but a viewer of things. Which is, I like seeing, you know, greatness. How do you think the fan base will react if we see Michelle run roughshod over this game, utilizing all sorts of idols and oh God. clearly, like, you know, Tyson-esque social play where she's openly and actively insulting players and burning bridges and saving herself with like four idols in a row. So like, yeah, obviously one way of thinking of it is like, oh, they'll turn on her once she becomes interesting, but no, they will nope. just reveal their deep and utter hypocrisy as they do at every turn when given the pro- the opportunity. They'll be like, yes, queen, I love this stuff. Idols, idols, idols. Uh, so that'll be what would happen. And you know, there would be some level of satisfaction in that. Not just that I would get to see, you know, somebody doing, you know, great things, but also that I could see the, the blatant hypocrisy of people who will insist always that that's not what they're doing and that like oh i don't just root for my favorites and all of that um so you know win 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 right there yeah i mean i do root for my favorites just to be clear um yeah. oh, 100 i do too but we're honest about it yes you know we don't say oh no no this is why my my deep and serious analysis it's like no man we just like these people and frankly for me it, it, it it's often frequently the same thing right because like my favorite people are the people who do stuff. Exactly. So it's easy for me to, you know, maintain consistency in that respect. Like, would I be like rooting, you know, desperately for Boss and Rob to like, you know, just like hide and like do nothing and be a Tommy? No, I would be there. That would be, that would be my Brad Rudder there. Even if he somehow won, I'd be like, eh, whatever. Exactly. I, I, I want to see people be awesome. And like the other thing about like, you know, the, the modern caping of Michelle is like, you don't have to do that because there actually has been a, a female winner of recent vintage who went out there and did awesome things. And that's Natalie Anderson. Gather round and listen to the tale I have to tell About a mighty twinny and the game she played so well She beat legendary players like Wentworth and Jeremy And also slack-jawed yokels like Alec, Wes, and Keith That mighty slayer slayed them all and took home victory The mighty slayer who goes by the name of Nadia I'm, I mean Natalie Yes! Natalie, Slay Queen. She's finally back. She was originally supposed to be back on Game Changers. An amazing sliding doors moment that might have <sighs> really tipped the scales of that entire season. Yeah. Replaced by Sierra. What a go-to replacement that was. Anyway, Natalie's finally back. And I feel like because of the level of this cast, she's going to be safe for a while. Like, I don't see a need to get rid of someone like Natalie 
really early on. She'll probably be useful enough in challenges and things like that. She's super fit. She's pretty fun. She's fucking loud, which I think will go over well with about half of this tribe. So Natalie seems like someone who would stick around. I feel like this is a decent season for Natalie. Not one that she's going to win, but one where she's almost definite merge. Here's my counterpoint. Um, I've seen an example of her um, exact genetic duplicate being a first boot. <laughs> um, so, and like, you know, I guess her other appearances on reality television have you know, proven that she could rub people the wrong way. So while I agree with the assessment that she seems like somebody who has the tools to, you know, succeed, you know, if not ultimate success, at the very least, you know, um, you know, survive in advance. Um, there's also a scenario where, yeah, she would get targeted early because she has a high enough threat level and, you know, she can get loud. And maybe that'd be enough. Like, now, she's bright enough to not be the person to, you know, stand out. She bided her time. But maybe this time she don't feel like doing that. Or moreover, maybe this time she goes to tribal council first. Because, again, her sister just went to tribal council first. Obviously, they were outside of the game things. That really was her downfall. Which I don't think will be the case here. I don't think anybody at this cast will be threatened that she was on the Amazing Race a couple of times. Especially because, you know, uh, three of them have also been on the Amazing Race. Um, but yeah, uh... Yeah, I, that's just the one. Like, if she really goes out, then she could be that target that is like, oh, we really got someone good, but not, like, somebody, like, at the upper level. That's where I could see it going wrong. It would her. be interesting if she did win, because it would set the profile of two-time winner at Loud Brown Woman. And that would be amazing. It would that, be that's amazing. That's what you gotta be. It, that's it. If, if you want to be successful at Survivor... Here's the path. And it's going to take forever for us to get to somebody else for two because, you know, <laughs> they're it. Yeah. I'm glad that she's back. And again, the list of women they could pick from, she seemed like a lock to come back. Um, oh, yeah. Especially given that they attempted to cast her for a relatively recent season. But she's fun. She's She's not just a decent player. She's an entertaining player. And I need entertainment, especially after some of these recent seasons. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, the longer she'll be on, the better it'll be. Uh, let's talk about somebody else. All right. Jeremy, the man with all the meat shields. He made himself the slightly less obvious target for most of the game. He found a couple idols and he worked those social bonds. He was perfectly cromulent in every way. Alright, Jeremy and Natalie reunited again, uh, the, the, this time under much different circumstances. Uh, yeah, Jeremy's a total package type deal. Mm, crazy. Uh, it'll be interesting. <laughs> no, that is also part of the total package. <laughs> well. Um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can do what he did last time, which was. Oil himself up. Well, that'll be definitely be interesting to see. Probably. I mean, I guess he's had more kids since then. I mean, he didn't have. Yeah, kids, I was gonna but, say. Well, uh, I don't know if you know how this works. <laughs> I, I've been in the room. Um, but, you know, like, or, like he was always just making sure there was somebody more threatening than him ahead of him. And certainly there are at least, you know, two, maybe more, you know, right away. But at the same time, maybe his profile now is too high to do that. So it would be interesting to see what he can give. But if he wants to employ a meat shield strategy, I'm all for that because that would mean more security possibly for the people I like most who are meat shields. Exactly. And I think this plays into something that I'll get into later, which is that he seems like the type of person that would recognize, no, it is in my best interest 
to surround myself with some of the best players that Survivor has ever seen because they are more threatening than me. And as you mentioned, Jeremy's probably much more threatening now than he was before. But at the same time, as long as you've got people above you, the tallest blades of grass are going to hit by the lawnmower first. And I think he's the type that will recognize that. He does have a relationship with Natalie. He's clearly got some sort of level of friendship with Boston Rob. There's some people on the other tribe that he seems to get along with pretty well. Jeremy just in general seems like the type that no one gets too upset about. Like everybody's, he like seems like the type of guy that everybody's like, oh, Jeremy, I like that guy. They may not love him, but they're always going to have a positive feeling about Jeremy. And that's going to take Jeremy pretty far. I've seen several people predicting Jeremy seems like the odds on favorite for the season. I don't feel like I'd go that far, but he's still got kids to feed. <laughs> he's going to go out. He's going to play hard. And he's going to be entertaining, and I'm also glad that he's back. What I like about him is the confidence that allows him to do this sort of thing, right? Like, he doesn't worry about the people that are so, quote-unquote, ahead of him. Because he knows that he's just as good as any of them, and when, you know, it comes down to it, he'll get it done. You know, that's been one of the frustrations about a lot of seasons, just like the the desperation, almost, of people. It's like, I can't, you know, I have to get rid of this person, because how on earth can I beat them? It's like, well, be better than them. How about that? How about you try that? Now, obviously, yes, one of the ways you're better is somebody in Survivor is to get rid of them, but, you know, I like it better when there's a pace to it, and that's just for my own selfish needs, of course, but at the same time, it's like, if you're gonna get rid of these people that are proving to be good at things and interesting on my show, I need you to be better than for me to continue being entertaining, and that's another thing that Jeremy can do, so even if he does get rid of some of the people we like, well, he himself has proven ability to hold my interest and such, you know, the last, you know, great returnee season that nobody in their right mind could ever argue that is great was the one that he not only won, but shaped. Yes. So, you know, again, if it's something like that again, uh, this will be a good season. Yeah, I'm here for it. Jeremy, do your thing again, please, because it only benefits us, the viewers. All right, let's talk to the next person. Back when Ethan won Survivor, smartphones didn't exist. Carson Daly was somehow still a thing, and Michelle was three years old. Hey, at least he's more interesting than Kelly Wigglesworth. Hooray. We'll see. I mean, hopefully. (laughs) I think he has the most Wigglesworth... uh, He... And the next person we're going to discuss have the most Wigglesworth potential of this cast, but you know, like he's a nice guy. Yeah. Similarly to Jeremy, no one's going to be like, Oh, Ethan. But at the same time, I don't feel like there's a lot of people openly embracing like, yay, Ethan. He's fine. He's seemingly charitable. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I always hesitate to say that someone's like a good person. <laughs> Because we've been burned far too many, or we've seen far too many examples of the past survivors who've demonstrated they are not good people. No. He at least seems to have a dedication to his charity. He's overcome cancer. He's got a decent story. I don't feel like story is the thing that I tune in for the most or that I'm rooting (laughs) for the most. It's not really on the list for you and I because we're not good people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, because we don't need to, you know, blast our virtues over who is the best person in this game of deception and lying. Yeah, and I mean, this will probably come up later with a certain other player. But, like, it's cool that you're seemingly nice, but I just want someone that's fun to watch on my TV, you know? Yeah. And it, maybe Ethan is that. He, It's been a long time since he's been on. Uh, he was back for All Stars, but... 
that was many moons ago. Mm-hmm. So who knows? I mean, he could offer something again, just like Michelle's had a few years off. Parvati's had a few years off. Even's had longer than both of them combined. So mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be interesting to see how his game might have changed in that time. He's certainly dishing out some Rupert-esque survivor tweets though. Yeah, that could be the salvation, though, right? Because, like, we don't need everybody to be this, you know, top-shelf dynamism. Sometimes just the incongruity can be fun, right? Like, you know, we, yeah, you and I got a huge kick out of Ken Nichols, right? Yes. And a part of it is just telling how off-pace he was with everybody, you know, that he was, like, you know, this weirdo with, like, these, you know feelings of honor and, you know, whatever that weird test he was doing, like, with Will. And maybe, like, Ethan can bring that to, uh, level to it, just with his, like, you know, genuine sincerity. And maybe it'll just be like, oh, that's nice. And, and then, hopefully, um, that will also lead to some level of, of, like, loyalty that, like, the people we like better can exploit. Because uh, <laughs> I don't think he has a chance of winning this game, in part because, as you say, like, what a story. Like, at a certain point, that's not – you're not going to let that guy get near because why wouldn't you want to bring him uh, to the end? But that also is kind of why I don't want him to succeed too much. I don't like it when people on this show feel like they need to protect – a, a reputation of virtuousness. And again, maybe he won't be there. He's done Survivor. He's been around the block. Maybe he's at this point able to separate A from B. But it's just like, you don't need to go on the show to prove what a good person you are. You go in there and compete. Uh, so that's what I would hope from Ethan. And if not, then, you know, a few moments of grace notes of somebody who's been with us a long time. And, you know, we're very grateful he is still with us yes. in all the ways that that phrase means. Like, I was happy to see his name included because, like, we haven't seen him in a long time. And, and the winners of the season um, stretch back as far as he, right? The, the two winners before him are not on it. Yep. Um, and the two winners after him are not on it. So it's like, you know, like, cool. Hey, Ethan. But yeah, there's there's a high Wigglesworth potential here. Uh, at the same time, you know, looking at the list of men they could have brought back, a lot of the men from the recent seasons, I'd much rather have Ethan than them. Yes. Yeah, no, like, I'm not complaining about Ethan's, like, you know, cast. Like, I'm glad they cast him. Yes. I am genuinely glad. I just don't really have high expectations for him to deliver for me because that's not the vibe I'm on. But at the same time, I recognize Survivor, uh, it works best when there's several different vibes going on and things for other people. And I think probably the ideal scenario for me is this is just a nice send-off for Ethan. You know, he has yeah. has a good little story arc, goes home pre-merge, gave it his best, hangs out on Edge of Extinction, doesn't make it back in, but, ah, shucks, he gave it the old college try. Thanks, but not super interested unless there's been some dramatic change in what he has to offer yeah uh so the other person i think has high wigglesworth uh potential is danny yes let's play some danny music danny of the last season at the tribe jacoon the first hidden immunity idol played by gary Danny is our first ever Guatemala returnee 15 years later. Um, She claims that she seemed boring back on that season because she wouldn't tell producers what her plans and strategies were and that she won't do that again. At least she'd said that prior to being cast for this season. 
who knows how true that is. Um, it is certainly something that she claims and her few fans seem to believe and support. I'm fine with Danny being here, A, because of, again, the list of possible women they could have chosen, and B, because it's the first ever Guatemala returnee 15 years later. It's like they'd completely forgotten about the existence of that season. It was kind of a fun running joke, but it's nice that Danny's back. Yeah, just as a like a a thing for fans, yes. right? And and at this point, like super fans, right? It's like when like they finally brought a character from Incredible Hulk back into the MCU. Like this thing, this appendage that you've been like ignoring, in that case for very good reasons. But then like William Hurt shows up in Civil War, it's like, okay, it really is a thing, and they're acknowledging it. That's kind of what's happening with Danny. And she was somebody who was fine. She was fine. She had, you know, she seemed nice. She, you know, won a couple things, although, like, the big win that, like, you know, really started the ball rolling for her was because she had an advantage that made it basically impossible to win that challenge. But, like, yeah, I we I didn't really like the people on the other side, so I was rooting for her just as, a, like, an underdog thing. Um, so it's like, yeah, and she, you know, she did well enough. It's the way you play that last person voted out is you try to do something like Danny did. Same time, like, yeah, I, I don't expect much for her in part because like of everybody here, I have no idea what to expect from Danny. Yeah. That, you know, Danny Boatworth 15 years later, like, I don't know, like, does she watch Survivor? Does she care about Survivor? I don't know. Yeah, her name's Danny Boatwright, by the way. So that's what I feel like I said, but it was probably a little garbage. So close. What, I, what do you think I said? Uh, Danny Boatworth. Oh, how about that? You yeah, tried. That's probably what I said. At least I didn't say, you know, trying to say slugs or something. That's an NBA <laughs> note for like five. Great years. NBA reference that like four people are going to get. Um, Danny also, there is some aesthetic appeal. Absolutely. To parts of this cast. Danny certainly adds to that. As the heterosexual male, I feel like I, I must address this because our, our commenters will certainly throw their thirsty picks out into the comment section. And like, I think she's done radio, like sports radio and stuff like, so I think she can talk. Like it's, it's, it's entirely likely she has more to offer. I'm, I'm interested to find out, but I also think she could be somebody who like, you know, the way she wants to play, the pace that she wants to play at is not really what I'm looking for. You know, like she was a loyalty based player. Uh, and it's just like, yeah, okay, cool. You know, maybe she can help my faves win. Yes. And that is my guess about what she'll be like. But, you know, it could be a situation where just like Boston Rob returning to a game that finally had immunity idols was like, huh, this is something I apparently need to count for or account for and adjusted his game. Maybe she's that. Maybe she's a devoted Survivor fan and she's been strategizing and planning what she would do on a season for years. Who knows? She's a total question mark. Yeah. So let's move on to someone that we at least have a more recent iteration of. Brent was an idol hunting machine, always finding them idols. He was on a season that was really terrible and he played those idols a lot. All right, so Ben, uh, Ben, the person I think most of the internet is most excited about. Uh, like, does Ben have a constituency in anywhere where we frequent? Not for us, no. I mean, our crowd is certainly not his crowd. I don't think Twitter is either. Like, I don't know. I mean, I'm never there, but he doesn't strike me as a Reddit person. I think he's certainly a Facebook person. Yes. I only wish that we had to wait 15 years for a returnee from that HHH season. Because, my God, uh, this was 
just disappointing. Actually, I know for sure Twitter isn't because they're still lying to themselves that like, you know, Chrissy was the rightful winner of that season. Oof. Um, yeah. And that sort of brings up my point, which is that we have some winners here that dominated seasons against terrible competition. Ben is one of the players that dominated against terrible competition while also not being very good against that terrible competition. <laughs> now, here's what's interesting about Ben is I can easily, and maybe this is wishful thinking on my part, but I don't think it is. I can easily see Ben viewed as a high threat to people in the game. And that would, you know, make me very happy in that sense, both either that he could be used as a shield or he would be targeted early. Because while he was not really demonstrating much ability at, you know, the full game of Survivor, I don't know that I want to play against the guy who seemingly has idols falling into his lap. Like, I would rather not have to compete against that. Like, he is dangerous, and and very recently dangerous in, in like, one of the more, you know, random parts of the game. So, you know, I could see, if I were, if I were out there, I would want to target Ben early and often, because... He's proven an ability to not allow you to vote him out later. Yeah. And fingers crossed that that happens. <laughs> yes. Please, 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 please. My, my lips to God. I don't really need him sticking around for a very long time. It's not like there's been a long time since he's been on Survivor and we're going to see some massive growth or change in personality or gameplay or anything like that. I have incredibly low expectations for Ben. And I think they're pretty justified having seen his season which was very recent yeah and like he, he was actually one of the more dynamic players of his season possibly the, the most lowest of bars yeah again that i don't see that being the case here i mean for one no he will not be one of the most no but i can see a very like a scenario where like he just steps back and like is like a less entertaining keith like like letting these people you know like take the lead oh they really know what they're doing and i'm just gonna do my ben thing here like, like, mostly, like, a lot of his dynamism came from being angry, you know, yeah, there, first it was, like, get Cole for eating too much, and later Chrissy for being insufferable, uh, Chrissy, who, you know, did not get the votes of her, like, some of her closest allies, but sure, she was the rightful winner, and only, uh, fire making prevented that from happening, yeah, that's, that's absolutely a thing, um, we will, we will fight every battle, no matter how many times we fought it, cause I'm right, Devin, she would, there's no way on earth she would have beaten Devin, um, anyway, uh, so, but yeah, I don't see that being happening, so, like, I don't know, like, whatever, it's Ben. Like, it's not worth fighting, the fact that they brought, like, you know, the big hero, like, Marine back. Yeah, I mean, we have to recognize that there are many constituencies that this show services that are not ours. Yep. But at the same time, like, I hope he's not around for very long or on the screen very often. Yeah. Hey, speaking of that, though. <laughs> speaking of. Ah, fucking crap. Hey, it's Adam again. Um, Your boy! He did win. He gets to be on this season. Hooray. Um, I said very early on in this podcast, I am open to changing opinions. It's possible 
that Adam could be interesting or dynamic or strategic or good at a social game for the very first time ever. And I would be so here for that. But I have seen him on Twitter and I feel like the odds of that are very low. I mean, apparently somebody's hired him to do some kind of, know, scare quotes, TV it's work. It's called, like, Thirst Lounge, it thirst and it's lounge? not at all what you want something that called that to be. I was going to call it Thirst Pocket, which is even weirder. Um, <laughs> but it's called Thirst Lounge, and it's not about wanting to bone people? I don't know what it's about, but I know it's not about that. So I mean, it's fair that, like, uh, what would be worse, calling something Thirst Lounge that has nothing to do with what we in 2020 use the word thirst, or having Adam be on a show? Uh, that is what we call 2020 thirst. And I know, I know, I know that there are people in our comments right now that's like, oh, give me some of that Adam. But come on, even you have to recognize that that is not what the intended use of that is. Nope. Um, He's a nice guy. Like, uh, you know, he's like the other Ethan, right? Like, he was always a nice guy. He's earnest, and and I'm sure people really liked him on his season. And none of that means anything for me. Yeah. The key to Adam's victory in Millennials versus Gen X was going up against really bottom-of-the-barrel competition in the final Tribal Council. So, if that's his path to victory again, there's certainly some people that he could use to do that. But my God, it, it's a tougher hoe. Don't ruin this season like that, please. I, I think the the issue is that he is so not threatening because he doesn't stand out in any category that I can think of. No, like he's a nice guy, but he wasn't the nicest person on that season. You know, he he's you know relatively smart. He was not the smartest person. He you know he won a couple of challenges because challenges, especially in the end game of Survivor. Are largely random he is no means a threat in that area you know like you know, he knew some strategy but he wasn't particularly strategic or you know able to pull off those strategies he's just yeah he's there he's fine he's there and if this season becomes that then fuck everything yeah and that's the thing is i feel like because he has no particular skill he's going to last till at least the merge because there's he just exists. That is his chief skill. Like, outlast yeah. through merely existing. And I feel like he's going to make the merge. I can only hope yes. that unless he's gotten more interesting in the time since Millennials vs. Gen X, he gets purpled in that time. Because the screen time deserves to go to more dynamic people within this cast. Yeah, but I don't think he will be. Because, like, what he can do is, like narrate the way survivor wants to not in an interesting way but like he'll deliver the the explanations for things enthusiastically because mm. he nerds out over that stupid bullshit stuff you know he's already nerding out about potentially finally getting a cast photo like so like like, like they 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 finished off like the the promo with him cutting one like, like he'll say the dumb stuff like adam will be like oh my god these fire tokens what an amazing thing so he'll be on it and like yeah as we said anybody could do greatness but it's like it's hard to imagine a world where these survivors let adam dictate moves right like you know maybe michelle could because you know she's a little more likable and you know this but like try to imagine 
this tribe, and who knows how, like, uh, that's three episodes, but, uh, like, him being like, alright, this is what we gotta do. Like, who on there is gonna be like, yeah, Adam, let's do it. Yeah. You lead, we'll follow, buddy. Yeah, like, even if he tries to go out there and be dynamic, who, it's gonna let him, like, the, the, the key to his continued existence in this is, like, getting along with people and proving available. Yeah. Being a solid vote for them. Um, man, what a dire stretch here. Like, can we move on to something less disappointing? Like, I feel like- I, I saved something. I, I knew we were going to go through a little bit here, so I saved something for the end All of right. this tribe. Let's hit that final player of this tribe. Denise's tribe, they always sucked, and she went to every tribal council. She had to navigate a way around Abby Maria and other Russell. And yet she made it to the end. A winning game we can commend on a pretty fine season. Denise! Denise, oh, I'm very excited that Denise is back. She is one of the great players. I'd say maybe just below the upper echelon. Like, if for some reason she couldn't have been on the season, it wouldn't have been invalidated, but I would have been tremendously disappointed. I am excited to see Denise back, and I'm excited to see what she can do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if she, you know, she could avoid a tribal council once. How about that? Let's start the bar right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, for those of you that don't remember, Denise attended every single tribal council in her season on the way to her win. And there are people that have their hipster survivor takes. And I'm a cooler survivor fan than you because I like such and such winner whose game had all these mysterious notes that you didn't pick up on. Denise is the like purple rock type winner where it's like, she was interesting. She had some fun moments. She was a good player. She had a good story. She was just a lot of everything. And it's so nice to see her back. It's fucking Denise, man. Like, she yeah. was the winner of the season that brought us back from Survivor's last nadir. And, like, come on, Denise. We need you again! Your hungry cry uh, uh, raising its eye to you, Go- Joe DiMaggio. We need it, Denise. Uh, bring it back. Uh, when you were just saying that, it made me think, I, I don't know if there's anybody in, 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 on this season that has a higher approval rating than Denise. Among StarCraft. Because like, there are certainly some bigger, well, no, probably any crowd. Like, where's the anti-Denise constituency? Like, there's certainly probably people who would have preferred Malcolm to win that season. Frankly, I'm in that group to a degree, but I was, but I don't know if anyone was disappointed that Denise did, particularly since, you know, the two other options. I mean, I like Lisa fine. The other guy we won't talk about. Uh, but like, you know, like even some of like the more popular people also will have their detractors for the very reason of their popularity, right? Like Denise isn't popular enough. Like I think there is probably no anti Denise like crowd out there other than the fact that like there's always an anti-something because the internet has proven that like there's no opinion so strange that somebody somewhere won't hold it right um but for the most part like she's got to be like as close to 100 percent as like what i can see here it's like you'd have to be some maybe hardcore abby maria fan to be anti-denise or something well there we go abby maria herself actually probably is what keeps it from being 100 percent indeed um, it's exciting to have Denise back. It's just fucking great, man. Like, I feel like we've talked about Denise a lot over the years on this podcast, and it just didn't feel like the type of person that the show embraced quite as much as we did. 
So to see her back is just like, oh man, what a breath of fresh air. And again, fingers crossed, you know, the last time Denise was here, good things happened. Yeah, and like maybe she isn't as embraced as others, but you know, I don't think she was not. Like I don't think you know there was like, oh god, like of course they wanted Malcolm to win. Of course. But you know, people get taken out, right? Like, yeah, you know, she didn't beat him at a final travel. And after that, like was she not celebrated because she wasn't useful to them, right? But the, 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 the thing, Survivor promotes the people that keep coming back, you know. That's why suddenly, you know, like yeah, you know, Danny gets talked about as a legend of the game, because he's finally back, you know. So like probes still call um other attractive girl from uh Shireen's first season. I can't even remember the details of it. <laughs> oh, one of the, uh, the the smartest and sexiest players ever. Yeah, because she was coming back. Like the show, you know, promotes the people that help promote them. Uh so that might have been explained a bit of like why you know Denise wasn't as promoted. But like I'm glad also that like this is her first time back. I'm glad that she didn't just come back for some you know, game changers or something like that. Yeah. Like nah, she's a winner. She uh, uh, was at the top, and uh, another game wasn't necessary. She didn't need to replenish that until now. Yeah, where she can you know test her medal against the best, and she belongs there. There is another player on the other tribe that we'll talk about who I think is in a similar boat. But let's move on to that other tribe. Let's we've we've wrapped up the blue tribe. Let's move on to the red tribe. And man, let's start at the top. Tony Mania, Tony Mania, Tony Mania, Tony Mania. Everyone's excited that Tony is back. None more so than Tony himself. Catch the Tony Mania. Tony Mania. Catch the Tony Mania. Tony Mania. Catch the Tony. Holy fucking shit, it's Tony Vlacos back on Survivor. Let you behind the curtain here. I've been trying to uh, research some of these players for no particular reason. I went back and I watched Tony's Llama scene, which is on YouTube. And God, I miss Survivor being that fun. I watched that scene... I'm giggling. It's it's not like it's new material to me. I've seen it many times before. It's still great. It still holds up. And it's just, I miss the time period of Survivor where we couldn't wait to talk about it because it was such a fucking fun show. And that fun has been sucked out of this show for the majority of the past like five, six seasons. So I just need more of that in my life. And I want Tony to deliver again. Yeah, Survivor has not been as fun as it was since Tony was, you know, out there doing Tony things. That doesn't mean it hasn't been good. There has been good to great seasons since uh Kagayan. Cambodia was, you know, very good. Great, I would say. Uh, you know, uh, Millennials versus Gen X was a very good season. A lot of people really like Davis versus Goliath. Like, there's been some good seasons, but to your point, I don't think it's been as fun since then. Um, so I'd love to see Tony be fun again. Now he's, of course, a person, um, that might have a hard time ever recapturing that magic. Yeah. It was just such lightning in a bottle. And I don't mean necessarily even like a fluky gameplay. It's just, you can't let a Tony, uh, surprise you again. Um, 
so what I was saying earlier is like, I just, it'd be great to just have some moments of them being great because they're not all going to win. I think it'd be really hard for Tony in this kind of cast to, to win. For sure. Because I think there's only way, one way that frankly we're interested in seeing Tony succeed and that's being fucking Tony, yes. right? Um, I just hope he gets to do a Tony thing. And more than just like, oh, you guys stay here. I'm going to go run off into idols. You know, like, 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 like really do something. Get a vote. Trick somebody. Just like, just one, you know, thing. Like get to see Ken Griffey hit that home run one more time. That's what I want to see out of Tony. Just like deliver some fun for whatever period he's on. If anybody's going to find a way to game, uh, like Edge of Extinction, like he's not going to be everybody like, hey, everybody, let's all read this clue together and figure things out. No, like he's going to figure something else to do. And uh, like, if, if nothing else, Edge of Extinction keeps Tony, uh, near the camera for as long as possible. And that's just what I want to get something fun again. And then if any, of you motherfuckers try to spoil the fun Tony moment like oh the, the camera cares too much about Tony and where the edit isn't showing Adam enough uh, I will block you I will <laughs> block you I, let us have fun again it seriously was such enjoyment watching that scene that I was like oh shit this was it this was why I loved Survivor enough to start podcasting about it this was amazing. Like, and so then that led down this whole memory hole where like, do you remember that season? And like, Tony's sending us DMs that are fucking walls of text. Just like, yeah. what is this there? I don't know if there was punctuation in it. It is unreal. And we went from the very first episode of that season. You're like, this guy can't fucking win. He's insane, which he was, but he could win because he was insane. And it was so. So fun to watch. And like, I have such fond memories of everything about that season. And I need that again. I know Tony probably can't win. The threat level is way too high. People know his game. And honestly, if he's not playing that game, I don't really want to see it. I want the wild balls to the wall Tony that just does shit that should not work in a million years and then does. If we're not getting that, What's the point of having Tony? Yeah. And if he's playing that sort of game, probably not going to make it to the end. But at the same time, I need to see it. I just want to see it again. You know, it's recapture that magic because we need it so badly, especially after this long dry spell. Yeah, and like, you know, to, real quick, to be clear, like, Tony was never feeding us info of what was. Oh, happen. no, no, no. Yeah, I want to be clear that what he was actually DMing was like, he would listen to the podcast, not uh, not to toot our own horn. I think Tony listened to Survivor podcasts merely because they mentioned Tony, and I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he would refute all our points. Like if we said, you know, hey, Tony really screwed up by doing whatever, he would say, no, 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 no. Here was my thinking at the time and just rattle off 4,000 things. And we came around on Tony betraying his, uh, what was the LJ? Mm-hmm. We came around on him betraying LJ within that same episode. And we're like, you know what? This actually, this is a get before you get God thing. It's kind of brilliant. And we got just walls of text like, Oh, you guys, you guys totally understand me. And this is exactly what I'm doing. And you got to move fast and you got to get guys before they can get you. And like, he was insane. He's a whirlwind. He is in the DMs and on Twitter. 
exactly what you see on Survivor. <laughs> like, that's yeah. the fun thing, is that's who he Oh, is. no, like, he had, like, an amazing energy in the DMs, but he was actually always very cordial and polite. Like, we didn't get the shit on the glasses, like, sleepover party moments or anything yes. like that. Um, like, even, like, early on, when I was, like, like you know, he responded to us, and like, oh, that's really nice, but I'm still gonna call it as a seed, and I probably still came up next. I was like, this guy, no, no, not to this guy, right? Uh, but yeah, once... I think he liked conversing with us. And again, like he was doing this anywhere people were talking Survivor. Oh, this sure. isn't about us. So much. But like, because we were the ones that supported him, like I still feel like our interview of him, which is barely us, almost entirely him, mm-hmm. uh, worked out better than Rob's because we weren't still combating him. Like this was the place he felt safe and stuff. So that's just more about that. But yeah, like he was really good about never telling us because, Hey, we don't want to know. Nope. We don't want any spoilers. That's part of like the season was so fun because we never knew what was happening next. Even to the point where it's like, if you ever want to know anything, just ask me. We thought it was like a really inconsequential detail. Uh, uh, it was basically how long is your idol good for? Because it never said on the show. And we had heard, I think, that there was going to be a final two. So we're like, there, there was theories going around that maybe they would go to final four. So, But it, you know, the show didn't tell us because it's like, well, why would they tell us? It's always been the same for like the past 10 years, right? And he's like, oh, I can't tell you that. And the reason why is because that motherfucker fu- told people it was worth final four. Like... <laughs> Uh, like it actually became like a plot thing. So he was really good about it. And yeah, so I just wanted to make clear, like our Tony, um, you know, opinion wasn't shaped because we were like so excited to like be star fuckers. Like we didn't care, man. Yeah. This is nothing. This podcast is nothing but like an avenue for us to stay our shit. Uh, it was because he was so much fun. And that's the thing is like, we don't do player interviews anymore. Not because we couldn't. Mostly because we're not interested. <laughs> no. So, I mean, it, but it's the same sort of things. Like, if Tony goes far in this season, if Tony wants to talk to us, I'm probably going to fucking do it. Just because that's yeah. all it is, is Tony talking to us. It's not, it, I'm just giving him the man a platform. I'll just give him three words, let him fucking run with it for 30 minutes. It's almost like talking to you, but turned up to 11. Yeah, no, like, we barely have to prep. Like, we had all these questions and, like, oh, we were checking them off before we could ever get to him because he would, like, I were, our job in that whole interview was to let him take a breath and, I don't know, maybe a drink of water if that's what he was <laughs> exactly. doing. Your throat getting dry, Tony? Hang on. Here's four words and go. Yeah. So, no, no. And, like, he is also one of those players that he he were missing, the show would be lesser for. Absolutely. No matter how well he does. It just went, well, yeah, you call this the all-winners, but where's Tony? Uh, Much like the next person we're going to Well, and quickly before we move on, I mean, I expected in Game Changers that it would have roughly the outcome that it did. I mean, Tony's threat level was far too high. Everyone knows his game. That hasn't changed. It's It seems likely that this is going to go poorly again, but that doesn't in any way, to me at least, change how I view Tony as a player. Like, you know, his specific type of gameplay is not going to win every time. That doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just... It's a very entertaining, frenetic type of game, and I want to see yeah, it. Yeah, no, it's just amazing that it did work. Exactly. It was, it was life-affirming that you can win that way. It's a hard thing to do, and that's what makes it also so exciting that it happened. I get why people wouldn't want to try it, although I feel like, you know, a, at least a few people, like, in the immediate aftermath try to, you know, be more involved, and frankly... Partly now, I think it's hard because everybody's trying to be a little bit, you know, Tony or something you know, of that ilk. They want to do stuff and then they just cancel each other out. Uh, but no, like, yeah, he could go out first or second again. It doesn't matter. Like, you can't take away what worked in that season. And, you know, I will never. And again, you're blocked. You're blocked. 
Yes. All right. Now let's move on to another all timer. Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about Kim first, um, just because then uh, we'll see what it's like when you just talk for her. Because <laughs> uh, I know. Uh, yeah, again, I think she is one of the elite, elite players and uh, winners. And this is, I think, the only way they're getting Kim back. I think she knew, you know, she had dropped her perfect season. And she was like, I'm good. I'm done. You know, um, it was like Jay-Z and the Black Album. And like that, she does come back. And hopefully, you know, not in the way that he did with some of his subsequent ones. Uh this is it. This is the only thing she has left to prove. It's like she played one of the best games ever. And now let's see what she can do against the best ever. Yeah, I think this is more like the Jay Z Black album, and hopefully this season is uh, Watch the Throne. It's it's her and Kanye. It's her teaming up with somebody and just making an unbeatable duo. Um, it's gonna be interesting because Kim is obviously one of my favorite survivors ever. I always refer to her as Survivor Goddess Kim Spradlin, a title that she definitely deserves for so many reasons. But everyone shits on her season because of the like totally inconsequential players in it that she destroyed. Now, we never knew for sure how much of that was Kim being so above and beyond the field versus how dumb those players were. Probably some combination of both. But both things can be true. Yeah, it can. <laughs> exactly. I think that's the expression. Um, but this, this is like jumping from pickup games at the YMCA to the NBA finals. Like this is going to be interesting because now she's adjusting to actual competition and I feel like it's going to be effortless for her. I never get the sense that Kim hurts for charm. It's similar to the poverty thing where there's not a room where Kim can walk in and not leave the end of the night with everybody going like, man, Kim's great. And that's going to happen here. Like she's just too easy to get along with. She's effortless with it. I've seen it on Twitter and you can tell that like, she doesn't necessarily care about you, but you want to believe that she does. She's really good at it. She's a fucking social goddess. And I'm interested to see if the players here are terrified of that, which they probably should be, or if everybody's like, yeah, but she's not doing that to me, which is, I think, how most people, both on her season and on Twitter and every other, like, Rob has a podcast type interview thing that she's done, I think that's how all those people felt. Because she has the unique superpower to make you think she genuinely cares about and likes you, even though she probably couldn't give a shit about you. Every single win in the history of Survivor is a result of the circumstances of that season, of the unique things that happened, you know, the cast, the the way a few, you know, things broke, you know, here or there. And that, you know, of course it's true for Kim. Of course she was playing against, you know, some of the dullest people ever and, you know, had a tribe, like, vote itself to tribal council and, you know, in, you know, medevacs or whatever. All that said... 
her game, her win, was like the most portable win I've ever seen. Like, it's hard to imagine a season in which the skills that she brought to the table to make that win wouldn't work. You know, like, it, it doesn't mean it would always, because, oh no, your tribe could lose a lot, and you don't have you know, where to play with, you know. Uh, a stray vote could bounce you out because of two idols being played. Like, there's plenty of ways to lose. But the things she was good at will always lead to uh, potential success in Survivor. She, you know, is physically strong and able at the you know, various ways you need to be in Survivor. People like her. They listen to her. She's got a personal charisma that draws people in. She listens and makes you feel like she's listening. Uh, you know, she, she knows moves to make and is not afraid to make them at the times that she needs to make them. So, yeah. Like, will she win? Who knows? Not, like, like winning is almost completely random at this point in Survivor, but could she? Of course she could win. Like, what about you know, you know, people liking you, knowing when to listen, knowing what they need to hear, and how to use that to your advantage wouldn't work in this scenario or any other. Right, and it's sort of like the uh, you know how Dirk Nowitzki could just take that same shot until he was forty years old because. You know, it's just a skill. Similarly, Kim just has a skill that's always going to be beneficial to her on Survivor. And I hope that it works out. I think these people should be terrified. But she already has some built-in relationships with some of these people. And I know that Tyson, she seems to be buddies with. He's on her starting tribe. And even then, if she didn't, I feel like she's the person that, you know, you talk to Kim over the first three days and you're like, man, I, I feel confident in Kim. And nine people on her tribe are going to be like, you know, me and Kim are pretty tight. <laughs> and they're going to get to the first vote and be like, huh, I thought me and Kim were pretty tight. Yeah, and like, yo, should they be threatened because of her greatness? Yeah, but that's the other nice benefit of an all-winners thing. They should all feel pretty good about their own level of greatness. You know, like even the people that we don't think very highly of, I think a lot of them probably think pretty highly about themselves, you know, hopefully. Uh, that's what I hope. I hope they all play with a level of confidence instead of fear. Um, and then, you know, hopefully somebody like Kim can exploit that. Yeah, and allow me this brief moment of thirst because our commenters do it all the time. Very glad Kim's on this season for other reasons, too. Yeah, I mean, it's tough for us to be too horny on Maine. Sure. Like, uh, yeah, everybody else, they get to be so fun and all that. And like, hey, you know, when we say it, it's... It's just gross. Oh, it's still gross. Oh yeah, no, 100. percent Yeah, I'm not disagreeing. Okay, hey, let's let's move on before we get into trouble. It's Mrs. Boston Rob. How dare? How dare? Who knows how the fuck Amber is going to do? You might know. You're you're a more committed um, Mariano family fan than I am. So what what can I expect here? I mean, I don't know. That's what again. That's kind of the fun. Like we haven't seen her compete on this show since All Stars, which was prehistoric. Um, you know, I saw her competitively. Uh, I, I don't know a year or so after that in All Stars, and she was great. Like her and Rob dynamic together was great. 
I just think it's cool. I just think it's cool that she's back, that they're both back. You know, that it was like she didn't, you know, yet again have to stay home with, like, the hundred daughters they have or whatever the number is and, like, let Rob go play with his friends again. I, I think it's cool that, you know, she is there and, and they're, they're rightfully recognizing her status as well as a winner and they figured out the logistics of making it happen. Yeah, I, I love that they didn't back out back down on the Romber thing because... Why would you? It's an interesting story. There's so many potential storylines that could come out of this. There's like a, you know, potential plan to vote on her husband. And, not, you know, I don't know if this has been discussed, but if we're going like highest, highest average finish, she is the one that holds that crown in the Mariano household. So if she can just easily, if she can just stay ahead of him again this time, should keep that record. I'm sure bragging rights within the household would be nice for her. Um, there's also the potential mom's alliance. That would be amazing. I'm all, all in for a mom's alliance because the, the crowd that would make it up is like, yes, these are my rooting interests. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy that she's here. I don't know really what to expect because it's been fucking forever since she's been on Survivor, but I'm excited for it. I want to see what we got. Yeah, like, again, that's part of the appeal. It's like, yeah, Amber won. She beat Rob first. Yeah, he had to come back four times. She only come back twice. Man, man, man. Um, and it's like, yeah, and then she's been, you know, smiling there at reunion shows when Rob, you know, when, when Probst points out that Rob is here. Like, she doesn't have to be that anymore, you know, and I think that's cool that she's, you know, on another tribe for her first a little bit. In some ways, I still actually would have been fine if it was just like the, the Mario and family and their friends and then the people I don't want around. Uh, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, like, Two winners are married and been married forever. And like, that's a, a fun part of survivor history. And I'm glad they're acknowledging in that. And I like, yeah, let's just see what she does. I think it's tough because uh, if, if you're on this tribe, uh, and you're worried about Rob as, you know, people tend to be on seasons that Rob is in, um, well, post all stars, I should say, uh, a way you could strike at him is by voting at Amber, right? Yep. And then you worry about that. Or, you know, if he is voted out, you're worried that she's, you know, collecting all the fire tokens that Rob must be winning out there on Edge of Extinction. But, you know, it's not impossible. Like you said, like, you know, is it impossible to imagine that, like, Kim and Amber and, like, you know, Sandra and maybe even Sarah, you know, vibe a bit? It's not impossible. Let's see. I, I Again, I just think it's cool that they didn't just make this about Rob. And frankly, like, the one way I would have accepted that they didn't bring back Rob for all winners is, you know, him adamantly saying that, no, I'm not coming back. And that, like, I'm going to stay home and let Amber, you know, play one. Um, but I think it's cool that we got both of them instead. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, I sort of hit on the Rob alliance thing earlier, but it's Amber Kim seems to have a relationship with Rob, which thus you would assume there would be some sort of potential friendship with Amber. Sandra is tight with Rob. Tyson is tight with Rob. This all seems like a crew that could maybe pull some sort of alliance together. And then you just need a few other numbers in there. Yeah. You know, maybe Sandra and Tony still have some sort of thing from Game Changers where they're like, hey, we got to look out for each other. Who knows? Like, there's a lot of ways this could go. And if they can hang around for a few votes and there's some sort of tribe swap, whatever, early merge, who knows, then it starts to get really interesting because then you have the Boston Rob cohort <laughs> just making an enormously threatening group, um, which I think is the ideal way for this season to go. Yeah, because that, like, is other cool people. It doesn't mean that Rob has to win nope. it. That's what I want, but it's fine. That's not what you want. But like, yeah, like, like, 
save the insecurity, get rid of the lessers, and then, like, fight it out at the end, which sounds like, like, like the thing that, like, the alpha that we, we often don't like will say, but, like, at this point, like, I'm all for it. I'm tired of the best going early and the mediocre hanging around. Let's invert that, please, please, please. Um, another thing that'll be a twist this season is they are increasing the number of family members who can attend for the family visit, which, I mean, that's totally our jam, right? Like, there's a point right there. Oh, yeah. Like, they're gonna do everything in their power if you are a conspiracy theorist to, uh, uh, make sure that Rob and or Amber are still in the game to ship out all four girls to of come course, see Of course, yeah. Um, so, you know, there's that. Um, yeah, and I just, again, I, I just think it's, you know, cool that they're reminding everyone that, like, there, there was another winner in that house. There was. Yeah, she came first. All right, let's move on. Um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, what Wendell can do when people aren't trying to aid his victory. Um, (laughs) you know, we talked about JT earlier and, um, in seasons where people weren't trying to aid his victory, it didn't turn out so well. (laughs) So right now it, in fair to well, Wendell, they weren't trying to necessarily help him win. Um, they just did not want to tune against him or his partner. And, like, it's not going to be that. I don't think for Wendell it has to be that. Like, I, I think he is the kind of person that could have played a different way. But, hey, if they're going to do it, why not use it? Like, I'm interested to see what other dimensions he has to his game. Because it is, like, even more so than Kim. It is hard to separate, like, which of this is a result of, like, the really smart play of Wendell and Dom to get the, you know, the full loyalty of these people. And how much of it is that they just had this overwhelming amount of complete duds on their season like people just with no forward ambition um that ain't gonna, ain't gonna be that it's not gonna be that so let's see what else you got wendell and i i think he has other things yeah i mean he was a perfectly acceptable winner from a very bad season but you say perfectly acceptable but if you look at like recent winners he's one of the stars <laughs> of <laughs> recent seasons the bar has been significantly lowered since um so yeah and i i'm with you in that they if you don't have to use the skills, why bother using them? So it's entirely possible that he has levels to his game that we did not get to see before. Um, similar to Parvati's first time playing, you know, <laughs> we obviously didn't get to see the full Parvati the very first time she played. Yeah, they cut away from that scene. There was a hot tub thing, Yule and Ozzy and Parvati. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, there could be whole other dimensions to Wendell's game. And I think, that is a distinct possibility. And I'm here for it. Wendell's one of those people that I'm like, hey, show me a better game this time, and I'm 100% on board. Yeah, and like a good comp here, and you know, I don't like that it is, you know, the same race. Like the, in sports, you're only allowed to compare people, and the cross-racial is just about unfair. But like Jeremy in his first season, like seemed like somebody who had some game, and then like everybody in that season was stupid except you know, obviously except for queen natalie and all that so then like he just wasn't using any of those skills and then he wasn't impressive as a result like it was just like yeah he just seems frustrated and angry all the time but then he comes to play with some people that aren't knuckleheads that aren't just like thinking of food all the time and stuff oh man that season was so great everybody who talks about it being one of the best mm-hmm. you're totally right I, it wasn't like we waited like 11 seasons for, uh, 11 episodes or something good to we happen. are beating every dead horse on this podcast <laughs> well i mean 
like it's unique to this episode. True. Um, like, why not give you that? You know, like he, he wanted to play a more interesting game, but it's like, oh, I mean, once we got control back from Chris Noble, it was kind of smooth sailing. And after that, it was maintenance, you know? Um, yeah, this ain't going to be that. No, and let's move on to another player, which I think is kind of surprising to some people. Yo, ain't a fool, and he's super duper cool. Over him will drool, cause he's scorching hot. If you don't root for Yule, then you are a mess of tool, cause he's everything that we are not. Hi, Yule rules. So hot. Holy fuck, it's Yule. Oh my god, it's you. I can't believe, I feel like we saw a, um, flashback, I think it was last season, um, that included Yule talking to Penner about the idol, and I was like, holy shit, it's real. Like, Survivor is acknowledging that Yule won a season, um, he's another one of those that our crowd in particular is like, would have loved to have seen again, and it just never happened. It's finally happening! Holy shit! Um, Yule is a super cerebral type, which is definitely our crowd's type. Also was, as the song that we played mentioned, pretty fucking hot. So we'll see how that's gone since then. Um, I am a little worried because of that super cerebral reputation, reputation, who he's going to align with on this tribe. I feel mm-hmm. like Sophie and Wendell are his best bets. If you're using that as an attribute, but beyond that, I don't feel like there's a lot of people that are super willing to embrace that sort of uh, academic acumen. Yeah, but I feel like you'll be somebody they admire, right? Um, both, you know, it's that might be something he engenders in you just upon meeting. Like, oh, man, yeah, Yule, and, like, he'll be so useful, and he's not out there backstabbing. So, like, I don't know if you target Yule early. He's, a, you know, a good tribe made, a useful person. You listen to his ideas about things. But it would be interesting to see if he can move at the speed of a modern survivor, especially of which returnees tend to, like, up that speed even higher. All that said, I don't care, man. Like, another reason why I've honored an all-winners since, like, we started talking was because I wanted to see Yule play, and I figured that was the only chance that he would ever come back to Survivor, a show that I suspect he has not watched since he was on. <laughs> Maybe the next season. Sometimes people watch the next season because you're still kind of riding that fun. Like, remember that time I was doing that thing? But, and, and like, you know, not in, a, like, a negative way, but, like, you know, you know, I respect you, Yule, for believing that you have better things to do with your time than this show. Uh, now, I mean, some of that might have been stealing our personal info for Facebook, but whatever. Mule's <laughs> um, back. He's one of my all-time favorite players, and if he can just give us even just some of, you know, old-school Yule things, I will be happy. If, he, if somehow he can, like, redefine the game around his ways, I'll, I'll, I think I'll be even happier, even if it comes at the expense of some of my favorites. Because, like, imagine if, like, a, you know, a really smart athletic guy can, you know, make the game still work for him. That'd be pretty cool. Or a person, I should say. I don't need it to be a guy. I was just going to get to that, because I think the fact that he is such a uh, cerebral type, to me, that signals that he's probably going to adapt fairly well. I think that was a, a key to his first game, was that he was very adaptable. Um, once he figured out that he had the idol and how he could use it to his advantage, he figured out the proper person to discuss that idol with. And I think similarly, you know, it might be some adjustment to the game speed that we're probably going to get. 
but Sophie's going to have to deal with the same thing. And I think Sophie similarly has the same sort of mind that can keep pace with it. We'll, we'll expect and adapt very, very well. So that's why like, I'm kind of hoping there's a Sophie and Yule alliance because it just, it seems fitting. That seems like the best pairing within this tribe for Yule. Yeah, yeah, she, she could be his Becky, exactly. or he could be hers. Yeah, um, yeah. The one that diff- big difference is for Sophie is like she is like on, like up on Survivor. She watches a yes. lot. She's frequently on podcasts. Right. If I were to set the over under at five, do you take the over under of total seasons Yule uh, has ever watched? Oof. Because I don't believe he watched it ever before he was on. Now, there's always the idea that like they give you some to watch. So yeah, over under five. How many seasons do you think Yule? Uh, so he would have watched. At least one the first season he went out. He definitely watched his. He had to watch one before he went out here. <laughs> I'm going to take I mean, the under. does he have to really? Like, they gave you some, but are they going to be like, oh, no, you you didn't do the homework. Like, no, that's like, ah. Nah, I'm taking the under. He, he hasn't. Yeah, and here's the thing. I don't care. Like, you don't need to be, you know, student of Survivor. And that was kind of the point I was making. He hadn't watched Survivor before he went out there, and he figured it all out. He figured out an optimal use for a fairly new technique with the idol. Uh, You know, he figured out different things and how to, like, you know, communicate with people and dealing with, you know, mutinies and all that. I think he can figure this out too. And also, it's possible that he will really know how to figure out how to work with these people because he compiled dossiers <laughs> of all of their personal data. Just ran a quick little uh, algorithm to see which personality attributes they all had that would make them <laughs> most susceptible to his ideas. That's right. And I hope they weren't using like Facebook Messenger for like their pre-gaming <laughs> because like you'll read that. All right, so let's move on. Next player. Oh. It's the second most interesting player from Kagayan on this season. And the second most interesting cop, it's Sarah. So Sarah was really good at Survivor. There's no taking that away. She pulled off a lot of really smart maneuvers in that game. She, yeah, it's... Frankly, the the game that she played, the things that she did, the moves she made, makes it almost incomprehensible that I wasn't excited about it or her victories <laughs> and that I'm not excited for her to return. She has to return. That was a stellar game. And again, uh, so few women have won that you have to invite back basically everybody who won this decade. Uh like that, that in itself explains like how little charisma she had while going about it because I love it. When people are out there doing things, she was out there doing things. And uh, whatever, who cares? Yeah, I mean, we know she's not going to deliver from a personality standpoint. So I think the ideal for her would be that she's you know, willing to take part in those big moves that she did last time and let others speak about them. There are other people who can narrate Sarah's actions that could be in on plans with her, not necessarily take credit for them, but... If they're the ones speaking to the camera, that makes Sarah's game a little more interesting. Like, she can still do the things that she's good at. I just maybe don't want to see her talking about it. She's not the most thrilling narrator. Yeah. She's a cop. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, the other person who's the most fun ever is also a cop. But, yeah, she, like, explains these things, matter of fact. This is her deposition, and this is the things that happen. And, and you know, it's like, oh. Uh, and, like, they couldn't have other people, like, uh, speak to her greatness because none of them were aware of her greatness. That was a big part of right. it. Right. Now, the other thing, though, that she, you know, what the advantage she had in Game Changers that she probably won't have here 
is that she was given the ability and freedom to execute those moves. And again, full credit to her. You know, she took that availability and freedom and did something with it. Because nobody was expecting anything from her. All their eyes were on the other people, the targets that were still around. You know, oh no, what's Andrea doing? You know, uh, Sari, blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, she doesn't have that smoke screen anymore, but maybe she does <laughs> because she's still a lower profile winner. Yeah, I I mean, the fact that she wasn't the star of the season she won might help her fly a little bit under the radar in this season. I think the best case scenario for us is that she is a very early boot. Yeah. Because, and it's not because she can't play, man. She can play it. She can do it. Uh, it's just when she does, it's not likely to be entertaining. Now, the no, the, the the way I'm still optimistic about this season is unlike Game Changers, there is not a critical mass of people of her level of like the the level of uh madness meness I feel about them being around the uh, the the ambivalence I feel towards their you know presence on this season, and that's what happened there is we got like a whole fucking tribe of them yeah even if they split to three I don't feel like we could get although I guess suppose they could put them all and then like go. one of the people we like I would rage um. But I, I feel like there's more people that I'm either, like, incredibly excited about or pretty happy about than there is not. Like, I don't think that, you know, she could get her assemblage of mediocre together again. Hey, if she were going to assemble a team of mediocrity, though, yeah. she would need this person. Nickname, 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 Nick. His alliances all have nicknames. Nickname, 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 Nick. Angelina should have won. Hey, it's so weird that Nick is here after coming in second in uh, David vs. Goliath, but I guess since Angelina is pregnant, you have to make exceptions. So congratulations, Nick, on being the uh, alternate that was there. You are the Sierra Don Thomas of this season. Uh, I want him to try his nickname bullshit and, like, people just to roll his eyes. Like, I wish he was on Rob's. Or, no, I want him to try it with Tyson. <laughs> yes, try your your nickname, you know, oh, I'm just a folksy southern guy. Bullshit with Tyson. And then give me the scene of Tyson and Sandra and, you know, maybe Sophie in there. Just, like, you know, making fun of you for it. That Then, um, you know, Nick's presence here will be uh, a, a positive. I thought you were going a certain way with that, and you, you just missed it. The ideal is that we get a total callback to Heroes versus Villains, and Tyson pulls Nick aside and is just like, listen, people just think you're a clown because of the stupid nicknames. you got to stop that. <laughs> the way he did with Coach in Heroes versus Villains, it would be beautiful. It would be a wonderful callback. It would be a great story arc. It's everything that I want to see. And it's it's a perfect reason to have Tyson on his tribe. There's actually an, another callback that I wanted to see. I believe I t- tweeted this about. It would be great after the first challenge, uh, especially if this Red Tribe loses, if Rob pulls Tyson aside and is like, hey, if you can protect Amber, I'll protect you. And then they both just like look into the camera, <laughs> maybe even wink. And, you know, are we spending our uh, evaluation time of Nick talking about Tyson? I think that's time well spent. Yeah, indeed. Hey, let's not spend any more time talking about Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, fine, I'm, I'm okay with that. Let's move on. Sophie ordered Albert to drop his stack and pick up her blocks. But Jeff said no. I like Sophie. Uh, I think she's been a, a very entertaining presence on Rob as a podcast. I think she was pretty solid on her season. 
I think that she is in danger of being uh, one of those people who's discussed so long about being underrated that she has become overrated. And that might be because of the bubble I find myself in. I doubt that is true of at large. But it's like, yeah, good. I'm glad Sophie's here. I'm, I'm excited to see what Sophie can be. But um, I could see myself hating her if people start talking her up more than she earns within this season. I, you know, her season sucked. And yes. I did not enjoy her that much on her actual season. However, as you mentioned, since then, she's gotten... First of all, it's worth pointing out, she was pretty young when she won that season. So young. And you aren't who you are in your early 20s. She's had plenty of time to grow and become an actual human since then. Um, and I think there's some encouraging signs since she left. She's older and wiser. But she's still one of the younger players on this cast. And mm-hmm. I, you know, she's obviously a big Survivor fan. I feel like she's got game that she didn't deploy last time. She could be a lot more interesting, both in her gameplay and in her narration, her, the dynamism. Like she has improved. It seems likely since that first round. And so I'm, I'm more excited for a Sophie return than I would have been, say, immediately after her win. It's not hard for me to believe that she was forced into, you know, clamping down a lot of what makes her fun in other venues when playing with like the, the Jesus folk crowd, right? Like, you know, she, she knew to, you know, sublimate things about herself. And that's part of it. And then again, you know, she, you know, you're a young person, you're still coming into your own. Uh, you know, she won't have to deal with that here. So it'll be nice to see what she can do in that scenario. I wouldn't take her off the cast. Um, there, there is certainly uh, some other people that didn't necessarily make the the, the cast that we will talk about briefly. But no, I, I'm 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 interested in seeing what she has. I think you know her greatest strength will probably be as an alliance partner and the way that she can you know communicate in that way and you know formulate plans with people you know. And then in confessionals, I think you know she could uh, very easily uh, be a very strong performer in that era. You know, being maybe the voice for the audience and you know if she can bring some of that you know uh, get me out of this bullshit movie energy to the odd uh, uh confessional i'm i'm all for that so you know like I'm, I'm happy about sophie it's just she did what she needed to do to win her season uh hopefully she'll need to do a lot more this season yeah i think of the crowd here sophie's got one of the highest upsides but enough talk about upside let's get to people who have already ascended to such heights. Tyson's a dick, and he doesn't even care. Tyson's a dick, telling you your chair is over there. Tyson's a dick, and it's crystal clear. Tyson's a dick, that we're all so Oh, yes! The return of Tyson. You may not remember this, Andy, but the very first season that you and I started this podcast, Tyson won that season. I do, I do. It is impossible to believe that it happened, but it really did. (laughs) Even as it was happening, I was like, holy shit, does Tyson actually win Survivor? Because it never seemed like... Tyson was the type that should win Survivor. <laughs> He's kind of a dick, as the song noted. 
Um, he's pretty funny. It just doesn't seem like he should ever win Survivor, and he did, and that's allowed him to be here, and we're so lucky for that. And what's nice about this format for Tyson, and more importantly for us, is he can very easily go back to the role of just Tyson the flippant jerk. Oh, yeah, the, the playful one, but still, like, so for Blood versus Water, in order to win that, he did have to soften those things. Yeah, he still brought it. It wasn't like he was suddenly boring or anything, but he wasn't able to go full Tyson, because that's a bad idea. That's not a way to win Survivor, and yeah, he, he, he was right. He was time to win. But now, against, amongst all these people, like, he can go back to being the, you know, the guy who, you know, doesn't really care and, you know, is really sarcastic and cynical and funny and, and still maybe try to win, you know, like that could be a way of disarming who he is, but he doesn't like, uh, has to worry about his great threat level of which, you know, in blood versus water, he, you know, both pre-injury was near the top, probably not right at the top. That's probably like RS Tina and somebody like that. But now it's kind of the same deal. You know, it's not like he's not threatening, you know, and uh, of his profile among like the fan community, it's right up there. I'm sure like Adams listened to almost every podcast Tyson's done or whatever, but he can also still be a bit of the class clown and let some of these other people, you know, take the lead here or there. So, you know, I think we could get a lot of prime Tyson. Yeah. I mean, the hope for him is that his dickish, jokey cynicism would disarm you just as much as like Parvati's or Kim's charm would if it allows you to think like I don't really have to worry so much about Tyson we're just buddies and he dicks around and and it's cool that's Tyson's best best path um and then as I mentioned he does have some existing relationships with some of these other survivors so it's mm-hmm. entirely possible he could uh utilize those and I don't feel like it's likely that he's going to win but at the same time I didn't feel it was likely he was going to win ever. So he ended up being my fantasy pick in our our returning champions draft that we did. So fucking why not? That's what I went with. It's like, uh, it could be a lot of these people. Why the fuck not Tyson? Yeah. And it's just more importantly, like, I think you'll be pretty happy that like the, the Tyson, the entertainer, yes. I think. Yeah. Again, like uh, he was still entertaining in blood versus water for sure. But I think now he will have less of that pressure. Yeah. You know? Imagine, you know, Tyson just, you know, remind, you know, constantly reminding everybody how great he is. And now he actually has some proof. You know, like he was always doing that from the very beginning, despite the fact that he was a giant dumbass. Uh, now, you know, you can talk about how great he is with receipts. Right. Exactly. Hey, you know who has even more receipts, though? Oh, I know. We've saved the best for last. She's paid her dues by winning two times. She burnt Russell's hat. Which isn't a crime Now she is back To play once again She can get loud to what the fucking love me she Yeah. Hey.
Quick note on that song, by the way. I fucking loved it. That was the Mike Hirsch song that I was most waiting on. We went, there was like a thousand different ways we could have gone with the Sandra song. And when he, uh, landed on, or actually, I guess it was a mutual effort, but we landed on Queen. And I was like, okay, perfect. And Queen has a song, We Are the Champions, like, perfect. Just the stars align. I'm like, okay, that, that has to be it. So yet another reason to save Sandra for last because she, had the perfect intro song. And obviously we all know Sandra's resume. It's easy to forget Game Changers and we all should. But as you mentioned earlier, in that season, even though she went home pre-merge, we still got a bit of the Sandra magic and it was wonderful. She clowned JT. She made buddies with Michaela. She was running things. She was just fucking fun in the similar ways to Tony. Like, it's just entertaining and dynamic. Great to well, watch. Well, she outdueled him, right? Like, you know, she beat him at his own game and saw him out the door as, as it was happening. There was actually a, like, five-minute span within Game Changers where it seemed like we were going to get the greatest alliance of all time, and it was going to be, like, Sandra and Malcolm and, to- like, there was names upon names, and we were just like, oh, holy shit, I can't believe this is happening. And immediately it was gone because Sandra was like, nah, fuck that. I'm turning on Tony because Sandra is who who she is. But as we mentioned, hopefully this time around, she realizes she might need someone like Tony, someone like Kim, the big names around her. And that makes for a better season for all of us. Yeah. And by all indications, they became pretty good friends in Ponderosa. So hopefully you know, that can be useful because the thing about Sandra is it, she is actually incredibly loyal. She is. You know, I know like her her thing is I'll, I'll vote for anybody. That generally happens after the people she was loyal to are gone, right? And then yeah, she's a free agent. She's a mercenary. She'll do whatever. But like she is intensely loyal to the point where she will you know uh, potentially hurt her games in acts of sabotage against those who betray her people. So, yeah, like, I know everybody's like, oh, no, she's going to turn on, you know, Boston Rob. I'll be so funny. It's like, she's not turning on nope. Boston Rob. No, like, uh, and, and also because also she'll recognize if they are ever able to play together that, you know, they need each other. And, you know, they just spend a season hanging out totally 24 hours a day together. That was totally real. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just brought in. Uh, it seemed at the time that Game Changers was her victory lap, and she was playing with a little level of freedom as a result. Not just necessarily because she probably recognized that it wasn't going to go that way for her, but also because maybe she was trying a different thing. You think I'm going to be this? Well, uh, let me be out in your face and see what happens then. Um But no, this is going to be her victory lap, because now all the haters that were always like, ah, she didn't really do much, and Russell should have won, or, you know, we're more refined haters, so poverty should have won, um, recognized when she was out there, you know, just burning people left and right and being, like, awesome and mugging for the camera and all that. It's like, oh, no, she actually is awesome as well as a winner. And now we got that. That's what she's coming in with. Not just two-time champion Sandra, but uh, the full recognition that she is one of the most entertaining people who've ever played Survivor. She is the queen. It's a well-deserved crown, and she's not going to win a third time. No, she's not going to win a third time. There's just no... There's no way. Like, even if she somehow miraculously gets to the end, 
none of these folks could get over their ego putting her three spots or two spots fully ahead of them. <laughs> like, it's just not going to happen. You know, because, you know, they'll probably think, well, I'll come back another time and, and then I'll get my second one. No, no, it's not going to happen. And I think, yeah, you know, she probably knows it. In fact, in some ways she used to say that she didn't want it all winners because that would guarantee somebody she was going to tie her. Yep. That's so she's just going to play it with such freedom. She knows that, like, you know, she's there to do fun survivor things. She's going to take probably some of the survival lessons she learned from Rob uh, and maybe add that to her game. And then, yeah, she's just she's going to talk her shit and it's going to be great. Yeah. She's going to do some army crawling, a crucial survivor skill. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, another thing, uh, something just I wanted to, uh, uh, this is a good spot to do it, to point out, uh, it's just something I realized, and it's pretty duh when you think about it, and maybe people already had it, but it's like a big story of the past couple of seasons on Survivor itself, and then of course, big time in the community, is that women aren't winning Survivor anymore, right? And we've seen, um, you know, women on the show being like, we need to reverse that, and then, you know, flipping on each other and putting each other out. Um, I don't think that'll be the case here of it being an acute storyline of the show. It will still, of course, certainly be a, a discussion point among the community. And we have you know, many great options to choose and root for here. But the women on this season won't feel this pressing thing about, oh, God, can women win Survivor? Because, of course, all of them have. Yep. Right? It won't be like this thing of, well, can a woman win Survivor? They know they can. And, and frankly, the 10 of them represent 11 wins in the history of Survivor, 11 to 10 of the men. More than that, of the 20 people playing Survivor this season, 15 of them have played seasons in which a woman was the winner. In fact, Rob, three out of the four times he's played has been won by a winner. Like, the only time that it wasn't a woman was when he finally won. Um, and then, like, even from the five men who has never played with a woman winner, Yule, somebody who played with Yule went on and win. And the reason why I think that might be worth pointing out is both, you know, I don't think the women will continue that, oh, we, we've got to band together to help a woman win. Because for them, that's what happens when they play Survivor is a woman wins. For two, it won't be an alien concept of what a woman, that women can win. Most of these men have experienced that, except for the, you know, basically the newbies. Um, or the, uh, not the newbies, but the, the more recent yeah. players. Um, and, and also, like, what that could end up meaning though, is the threat that women possess in the way that they can win won't be ignored necessarily. I don't know if they'll be like, ah, oh, yeah, this person can't win. Because again, most of them have played on a season that have been won by a woman. All right. So if you were involved in the casting process, is there anybody that you were like, oh man, this person definitely should have been in your fan casting now. Make some replacements here. So for me, the biggest missing up person here is Tina. Uh, when we heard about, you know, who was going to be on the season, it was like, oh, not Tina. My first instinct is they just, like, she probably said no. Like, how would you not ask Tina? We know they've, they like Tina. They brought her back two other times. Uh, now it sounds like they didn't ask. Um, and I gotta assume that they were conscious of the age thing. Uh, yeah, this is obviously, you know, by their very nature, all returning cats have to be older because that's how time works. Um, but it sounds like they weren't like, like I, the oldest is Denise, who's not yet in her 60s. Although I guess Tina and Denise are like this. No, they're not. Never mind. They were the same age when they played, but there were many years in between. <laughs> I think that's how time works. Um, so that might be it. But like, yeah, that'd be, that's like the biggest one for me is Tina. But then it's like, so they'd be like, oh, well, then you, the people I'm not enthusiastic about, Michelle or Sarah, I can't take them off a of cast though because of the things I've been talking about. We can't get rid of modern winners, female winners, because there aren't that many of them. Um, 
But you know, like I guess Danny. Again, I'm 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 interested and excited that they finally like recognized and validated the existence of that season. But I'd be lying to say that I wouldn't be more interested in Tina playing than Danny. Yeah, um I'm a little surprised at your uh biggest name thing because I feel like Cochrane is the biggest name missing here. Yeah. I, well, I, they, there's an asterisk to that, and well, I'll get to it. Yeah, and I mean, also, there is there is another name that's pretty big that is missing, but I'm not disappointed that Hatch is not here. Um, yeah, so Hatch is absolutely 100% the biggest name missing, and a lot of people have been saying that. Like, the first winner, the guy who shaped and defined Survivor, if you, know, you ask somebody on the street about, yeah, not the mythical people on the street that Probst talks to, about, like, a Survivor player, and if they can only name, like, one, it, there's a good chance it's Richard Hatch. I don't want to see Richard Hatch playing a season right after Dan Spilos. I am very, very uh, happy and uh, secure with him not being there. But continue. Even if last season hadn't happened, I'd be fine with Hatch not being on here. So, but especially now. Yeah, exactly. I am, however, disappointed that we're missing out on Cochran. I understand it, but man, if I could, I would gladly drop Ben, Nick, and Adam and get Cochran, Earl, and JT. And JT particularly, because that guy can just get clowned again and again, and it will not stop being funny to me. (laughs) See, here's the thing for me with the men. Um, While the men have more of the people that I don't care about, Ben, Adam, uh, Nick, who you talk about. And and I'd say, like, you can't drop them all. Like, you need some recent winners. But there's so many men to choose from. Like, you already have Wendell. Like, you didn't need all three of those guys, right? Right. Like, one of them. Uh, But... When you start going, like, like they asked Earl, they approached Earl and he couldn't make it. Uh, it was just a conflict, I believe, new child and such, and, or new job, or maybe both. Both things can be true. Uh, so it's like, okay, cause that's the other person I'm very just, dis- I would have really loved to see Earl. I've wanted to see him back. Uh, but they've been trying. So at least I got to hear like they were trying and it was a no. Cochran again, he, you know, conflict with his job. You know, he's writing a new show. It couldn't happen. I also understand Cochran's like, Look, it, this never going to anywhere be as good as it was for me. Like, right. I can't play again. Nobody, like, he snuck up on people, right? Now it won't happen. And then uh, since he can't sneak up on you, what use is Cochran in the early stage of the game? So you can't be, like, you can't tell yourself, oh, he's not going to hurt us. Like, he's not going to win. Yeah, of course he could win. He has. So it's just like, I could see for Cochran definitely feeling like, yeah, uh, let me walk away while the getting is good. I, I would have liked to see him, but it just couldn't happen. Uh, Tom Westman is one of my favorite winners of all time. It sounds like medically, that's just not something that could happen. Yeah, I mean, again, age is an issue. So yeah, again, the passage of time. Uh, another one that people have brought up a lot and like is Todd. I'd certainly like to see Todd more than you know the, the aforementioned men, but. Yeah, he went on, uh, Dr. Phil and said that basically the time that he spent on Survivor and like the post, you know, dealing with that is what like helped ruin his life. So I'm not going to be here and be like, be on my TV show, man. Like his personal health is more important to me. And I, obviously I can't dictate what that is or not, but I could understand all parties involved Survivor, especially being like, eh, this is not right. So when you start to get down, it's like, as much as I don't care about Adam and my, and all that, it's like, well, then it's like, Aris or Mike? Like, yeah, I'd probably actually rather have Mike Holloway and Aris than some of them, but at the same time, it's like, uh, I'm not going to be like, ah, this season's no good. Right, exactly. You're making marginal improvements there. Um, I I am with you on Tina being a big name that was missing from the women's side, but I'm also like, uh, I mean, you would be making a slight gain in some category. And yeah, I've, I've heard people suggesting Vesepia, like, 
I am all for adding more diversity to this cast almost every season, but I am not interested in seeing Vesepi again. I, I, you know, Sophie's season gave me enough of the uh, Jesus talk. I don't need Vesepia bringing her brand of it to this season. And for me, like, if Vesepia was on it, I'd be like, all right, sure. Yeah, shrug. Cool. Uh, but it's like, it's hard to find a spot for her. Like, I think the, the women's cast really well when you factor in that, like, they're going to have Michelle and Sarah because, you know, they're, they're the most recent. Yep. Uh, frankly, like, yeah, if you don't have Michelle, you, you're, you're missing an entire age demographic because, again, the way time works, it's just like, that's a non-starter. So they're not, they wouldn't be taking a Michelle or Sarah spot. They'd be taking somebody else. So then you basically have to ask this person or Danny for me, Tina, the, yes, Tina over Danny, everyone else. No, I'd rather have Danny. Yep. So, all right. So how do you see this season going? Like, not a full on prediction. We're not, we don't really, like, we're not predicting winners at all. A long time ago, we decided that, that it's just not an interesting way to watch survivors, like, trying to prove yourself right. But more in general, how, how do you think? You Do you have an idea, like, a prediction of how you think it's going to go, or maybe just a hope? Um, yeah, I mean, my hope is what I've hit on a couple times, which is that the Rob and his buddies alliance happens. And because of that potential group, th- this is an ideal scenario. If that potential group does actually form... We'd have to get like this weird counter alliance coming together out of necessity. And it would just be these random amazing names that like shouldn't be allies, but need to be like Tony and Parvati and Yule and Denise and Sophie, just like weird combinations that have to get together and just a clash of those two alliances in a post merge. Oh my God. I would eat it up. That is the apex of what this season could be yeah for me i mean obviously my priority is uh a complete and utter celebration of boston rob of course i mean because like i would take it like a victory for me in many ways <laughs> I, victory and, and frankly like i think people would congratulate me like that's how stupid it is um but more than that and you know we've been touching upon this throughout i just don't want the pervasive feeling that's been going on lately of, uh, who's the biggest threat? Who's the biggest threat? Gotta target the biggest threat. I gotta do anything I can to target the biggest threat, especially early on. Let's get back to the more, uh, traditional format of Survivor of shore up things early, big game hunt later. And for no other reason than, like, it hurts the TV product when all of the more interesting, dynamic, proving some ability at the game people are taken out just because of numbers. And it's, you know, it's certainly smart of people who aren't that to get rid of that so that maybe they could be that. But I don't want that. And moreover, like, I think at this point, it's not smart gameplay, especially in a season like this, to to set the pace of... If you are good, we will get you. Because so many of you are good. Why not recognize the threat of mediocre? Because that they have become incredibly threatening to the end game of Survivor. Um, yeah, the goats aren't just staying goats anymore. They tend to do a few things. Get them out early. And this isn't just, you know, uh, pipe dreams or whatever. The first two boots of heroes versus villains were like Sugar and Randy. It can happen. Yep. Let's let it happen again. Let's let greatness... Uh, align, uh, coalesce, and then go at it. This is exactly what I want. I, I want, you know, I remember the pregame press for uh, Game Changers. Probes talked about, like, oh, you know, everybody feels each other out in the beginning, and then they really go after each other later on. And I'm like, perfect. That's how it should be. That's what I want to see. That was not remotely how it was. Nope. This season, 
that needs to be how it is. Yeah, and again, like, that's to the benefit of so many of these people, because you are great. You know, like, there's more great than not. So, you know, get rid of the not. Just as this season removed the idea that, you know, you can attack former winners, you yourselves form a pack of, let's uh, remove the idea that you can attack greatness right away. I'm all for this. You know that I, I am similar to you in that I also want to see great Survivor played. Sure, I mean, we root for, like, you know, overdog, like, basketball teams. Like, we're not looking for, like, oh, hey, this is the hipster team. No, it's like the heat in L.A. Sure, everybody, come to our cities because you want to hang out, and, like, let's just, like, wait till stars align and then be interested. That's how we are, and that's what I want here. Exactly. I don't need to prove that I am a smarter fan than you because I can appreciate the greatness in Danny Boatwright's game. <laughs> I can... Do it by yelling a lot. That's how I prove my uh, greatness and superiority as a fan. And I can yell about, like, the most obvious things. So, you know, don't make it easy for me. Or, or no, don't make it hard for me. I, I, I don't need any challenges. I can find ways. Just make it fun. Make it entertaining. That's all I need. Seriously, that especially to cleanse the palate from these recent seasons. And moreover, like, you and I, like, recently were already getting pretty angry at the internet that if they, like, the season was starting to coalesce a fun and everybody just started complaining that, like, you know, the the lack of edit for, you know, mediocre player X. Yeah. And I was already starting to rage on people. Well, not the specific people, but, like, the ideal of yes. this before it ever happened. Don't be that way. Let yourselves have fun. All of your faves should be good that are on this season. Let them be good. And then, you know, go back to, you know, rooting for the, uh, complaining that somebody got purpled because two episodes went by without them having a confessional. Don't be that way this season. Don't do it. I love that we got pre-angry at people for an argument they hadn't even made yet. <laughs> Not even a little bit. It's, it's very <laughs> typical of us. Yeah. And it's like, I don't care. Like, it'd be like the, the craziest conspiracy theory. It'd be like one person with five followers will put it and I'll just go to town on it. I don't care. Don't ruin this season before it least has a chance to ruin itself. <laughs> All right. So let's wrap this thing up. We've been doing for a long fucking time. We have, of course, a website for those of you that are listening to our podcast for the first time. My God, how did you make it this far? Um, our website, of course, is purplerockpodcast.com. Um, we have all sorts of fantasy league stuff on there right now. You can pick your own fantasy teams probably when this drops. I don't know when we're releasing this. Um, we made a whole post about our, uh, returning champs draft. The winners at war, war of winners league. God, that's such a great title. I've got hype posts coming for those of you that are familiar with such things. I, uh, I will not say who those hype posts are for, but you can probably narrow down the candidates based on, uh, my enthusiasm for certain people in this podcast. Adam, Ben, and Michelle. That's the ones. Damn you for spoiling it. Um, and hey, if you enjoyed those theme songs or, or the songs that for the winners that we were playing, those were made by Mike Hirsch. You can find him on Twitter at MikeHirsch61. You can also find them on SoundCloud. I'll put the link to those SoundCloud accounts in the post for this preview podcast. So you can listen to those songs if you enjoy those songs. Please thank Mike in the comments or on Twitter. He did an awesome job in a very very quick turnaround for us. Um, thank you so much, Mike. And anything else you want to add, Andy? 
Yeah, we might do a few things differently this season. You know, again, we're excited. We're we're very invested in keeping this season fun. Uh, one thing we are thinking about, and we want you guys to give a little feedback. We might be done with predictions. Uh, we're terrible at them. Yes. Uh, in part because we don't take them seriously at all. Because, and that's because I think we found that uh, viewing and judging Survivor on a predictive basis was taking fun away from us, especially because there's a bunch of cheaters out there or whatever. So those posts might go away and let us know if that is, you know, like, oh, no, I really look forward to that. What I suspect is you look forward to having a piece of content uh, to, you know, participate in uh, with the community. If we get rid of it, we might replace it with something that I think will be a little more interesting and more engaging. And also, we might still provide you guys the opportunity to, like, you know, vote predictive-wise, maybe on the podcast post or whatever. But uh, it's just, I mean, look, it took us, what, like, 11 weeks to get one right last season? <laughs> and, and it's just, like, for this season specifically, I could see continuing to get things wrong because we don't want to be right yep. in some scenarios. Uh, that happened to me in Cambodia. I actually went the whole season without getting anything right. Uh, the final episode, I went out of my way to be wrong because I think the winner was fairly obvious. But it's just because I didn't want to vote you know, this person or that person. So, you know, we're all about what will be more fun than not. So we think that one get away. And there's another thing we might do for the podcast. Yeah. What's that thing? Uh, <laughs> again, we're still non-committal because it sounds like so much. We're thinking because this is a big anniversary season, um, yeah, for the show. I don't know about for us. I don't, it's just like a, a zero or a five for us. I don't think so. Um, we're thinking about going back to what it was. Me and John podcasting eh, most every week anyway. Yeah, that's the plan. It's the, I think it's a little more difficult to pull that off than it was when we first started podcasting. But we're going to try. Yeah, uh, just, you know, I mean, we everybody, the other members of the, the staff who've, you know, obviously made you know, part of the podcast very much their own, we appreciate what they've done. We'll probably find time for, you know, some of them here or there, especially, you know, there will be times when we can't make it. But just, I think, for a special, you know, you know, back to basics thing. You know, uh, we figured me and you, and look at us, like we're we're talking for two and a half hours already. So uh, yeah, we're ready. We're ready to discuss the season, unless it goes bad, and then you're not going to see very much of us exactly. again. And when you think back to basics, you think of the most basic hosts you can possibly get. <laughs> That's, us. That's us. So uh, yeah, let us know in comments uh, how you feel about those changes or not. Uh, yeah, you know, your feedback may or may not matter to us. Uh, but we always like hearing from you in comments. That's on our website. You can follow us on Twitter. Show is at Purple Rock Pod. I am at Purple Rock Andy. I'm at Purple Rock John. And blah blah blah. Subscribe on the podcasty things. Let's hit some music. <laughs> <laughs> 